Are you ready? Power. You want answers? I think I'm entitled. You want answers? I want the truth. You can't handle the truth. What we've got here is failure to communicate. I'm building an alliance. God bless the internet. Okay, let's party. It's showtime. It's time for the Alliance Guys podcast with your hosts Kevin Frazier, Jaden, DKM, and Jay Cal. Tonight's episode of the Alliance Guys podcast is dedicated to the memory of Howard Brody, who we lost this week. Howard Brody was very influential and uh, for the NWA, uh, actually did a lot to help grow the NWA brand. Howard Brody uh, really kind of helped give the NWA second life. And uh, so tonight's episode will be dedicated to the memory of Mr. Howard Brody, who will sorely be missed. Welcome to the Alliance Guys podcast. My name is Jay Cow. With me, I'm out of hope, is Mr. DKM and everybody's pal, Jaden. Welcome to the show, fellas. How's it going? It's going, I guess, as good as it's going to be, and I'm glad there's only one of, G- of DKM. So am I. There can only be so much greatness in the world. And what I really want to know is who's buddies with Jaden? I mean, I, li- I like Jaden. Yeah. Of course he likes me. I bring the ratings to his podcast. I mean, even if you didn't bring the boys to the yard, um, you're still my pal. What kind of milkshake do you think he has? Uh, <laughs> yikes. Uh, probably like a peanut butter and chocolate one. Okay, well, I'm done tonight. Uh, thank you very much for attending the show. <laughs> uh, so, I mean, look, each and every week we come to you guys live here on Thursday to talk about the National Wrestling Alliance. Uh, DKM likes to, you know, he's a warrior with his championship belts, likes to show them off. Uh, Jaden will give a, uh, a plug for whatever's happening with the Dangerous Adrenaline Wrestling Gladiators. That's kind of our, shti- our shtick, our spiel. But I do want to break a little bit of character tonight and talk about Howard Brody. Um, I, this one kind of hurts, guys. And it's it's because I kind of... Anybody that's ever been on an episode of this podcast uh, has a special place in my heart. Anybody who's ever taken the time to... Uh, validate what we do here as well as allow us to pick their brain and speak to them. Uh, I, I always end up rooting for those guys. And I mean, you could talk about uh, uh, Fred Richards, uh, David Marquez, uh, you know, Tony Givens, um, Kenny, Kenny Garrett, the late Kenny Garrett, uh, you know, all, all these promoters involved in the business uh, have come on this show and helped, you know, teach us bill barons i don't want to forget about bill barons they've kind of helped teach us a little bit about what's happening in the in wrestling in the nwa and uh one of the earlier guests that we had on the show was howard brody who again just by appearing on the podcast helped lend a lot of credibility to what we were doing and this was during the first incarnation of the ring warriors program not the second one that aired on wgn but the uh, first one and, uh, you know, by him coming on, it, it again, it sent a statement to 
uh, the wrestling community, those who are interested in the NWA, that this was a a good place to get your news and information. And, and I, I felt like that was kind of like him vouching for us. Of course, uh, you know, Howard Brody did so much for the NWA. Under his stewardship, uh, they brokered that deal with the World Wrestling Entertainment. He and Dennis Corluzo would show up on Monday Night Raw with uh, Jeff Jarrett and the whole NWA invasion. And, uh, you know, it was a silly time in the in the world of the NWA, but it led to a lot of people joining the NWA and really kind of brought a second life back to the brand that at that point, I mean, we're talking about 1998, and uh, it was only a few years removed from Shane Douglas throwing the title on the ground. There wasn't a whole lot of people who were interested in being a part of the NWA uh, before, you know, Jeff Jarrett and uh, Carluzzo and Howard Brody would appear on Monday Night Raw. Uh, Jaden, I know that you've been associated with the NWA brand uh, multiple times. Do you have any good memories about Howard Brody? And is, is there anything you'd like to say about his memory? Unfortunately, my interaction with him has always been very brief. Just um, had a few brief talkings to him. I was talked. I did talk to him about reading his book, and that's actually a really good read, especially if you want to learn about the early days of the NWA and about that invasion of the NWA and the WWF at the time. It's a, um, I, I believe it's called swimming with piranhas and it's um, a really good read. I don't know if it's still in print, but if so, I do recommend getting it. But um, he's, I kind of know more of him by association with Fred Rubenstein. He was the uh, brother from a different mother to Fred and very, very close. And if it wasn't for Howard Brody, there wouldn't have been an evil Mr. Fred in Japan. Um, he was a like he Fred probably wouldn't have been a part of the NWA at the time because uh, he wasn't originally the member of the NWA it was Carluzzo. And then it went to a couple of clowns that definitely didn't deserve the name. And Fred hope gratefully got that name away from those. Um, people, if you want to call them that. And, and then because of Fred, I I became part of the NWA. So I guess in the long run, I owe Howard Brody to, to myself being part of the NWA, to Dr. Zirconian being part of the NWA. And, you know, so we owe him a lot. He was, if it wasn't for Howard Brody, there probably wouldn't be this podcast because if I'm not mistaken, the NWA invasion is what got J. Cal here into the NWA had a lot to do with it for sure. Um, so Mr. yeah, that's, that's a huge thing. And I'm just, I, it's sad that he's gone, especially for my friend, Fred Richards, Fred Rubenstein. Um, I know he, I talked to him today and he's definitely heartbroken. Uh, I just, I feel sad and I wish I knew him better. Now DK. Yeah. <laughs> what are your thoughts, Mr. DKM? Do you have any, uh, we talked a little bit offline and you told me about your relationship with him uh, in those early days. Uh, do you care to share any of that? Sure. Uh, you know, it's, it's funny to date myself and some of the things that have gone on with the NWA. I first knew Howard Brody through the old prodigy service, the original prodigy dial-up service. <laughs> and then over time, 
they had message boards and I was part of the wrestling message boards and eventually there was an NWA message board. And uh, the likes of Dave Shearer from uh, Pro Wrestling Insider, Bob Ryder from the old uh, OneWrestling.com and everything, they were they were all a part of that group. And I actually struck up a relationship with Howard Brody via email uh, when he was NWA president. He was kind of the first quote-unquote insider that I ever talked to and talked about business and my own thoughts and things like that. And, uh, you know, he was nice and listened to him and never told me I was an idiot, although I suppose it, considering my age at the time, <laughs> some of the things I probably was. <laughs> but uh, it, it, he would occasionally share small tidbits of information with me, nothing ever uh, big or uh, grandiose beforehand. But, like, some, you know, he, he explained some of the thoughts behind when uh, they finally took the title off Severin and all that stuff. And uh, he was a. I got along with him really well. And I remember being really sad when uh, the politics of the time, you know, caused him to leave both the NWA presidency and then promotion. And, uh, you know, when people talk about dark years and they, they look at uh, Bruce Tharp, and they're, oh, you know, things were terrible under Tharp, whatever. No, no, things were terrible after how Brody left <laughs> for several years when they couldn't keep a president in place. And uh, every every year when there was a coup at the at the at the anniversary shows. And uh I once said of Dennis Carluzzo, there would not be an NWA if it wasn't for Dennis Carluzzo. And nobody would care about the NWA if it wasn't for Howard Brody, because Howard Brody took everything he could when Jim Cornette contacted him about coming on the WWF show. By the way, he forgot a funny story about him. He actually forgot uh, his uh, jacket sports jacket for the night. And so he had to borrow one of uh, Dennis Carluzzo. So if you ever go back and watch the clip, you'll notice the sleeves are way too long for him. <laughs> but, uh, you know, they made, they were barely there and they made that appearance and Jay disappears. And, you know, they went from, you know, one active member in the NWA to about, oh, 20, 25 members. And so, and they stayed kind of at that, uh, at that status for a while. Uh, Brody wasn't a big promoter. He basically promoted one show a year and then he would team up with other promoters in the area, including at one time Dory Funk Junior and at another time, uh, Greg Price. And I don't know, Jaden, is it weird to you that when we talk about all these names, Dory Funk Jr. is the one that's still alive? 
Uh, no, because he's a funk. <laughs> They're uh, double tough from the Double Cross Ranch. I guess. But, yeah, I mean, you know. Plus, plus I think Marty wouldn't let him die because that's her cash cow. Well, you're probably right there. Yeah, yeah I, I don't have an argument there. But, yeah, I mean, most of us who are following the NWA today, if it hadn't been for Howard Brody, we wouldn't. We would be like the average person out there that goes, "Well, didn't it become WCW?" And uh, so, really, really sad to hear that he's gone. Uh, he was a big part of my early wrestling life, and uh, you know, kind of like Brett, I'm a little heartbroken. Yeah, people underestimate his importance to the modern-day NWA. Um, there'd be nothing for Billy Corgan to buy, probably, if it wasn't for him. I kind of had an advantage because Carluza was the active promoter, so there was a lot of NWA around me. And I think there was a... might be wrong. I think there might have been a part-time promoter in Pennsylvania. I'm not as sure. I, I remember some NWA events being in Pennsylvania. They probably was, They might have even just been... Carluzzo. I think but, I, they ran under Dennis. I don't know who the, I don't remember who the promoter was, but basically they were running under Dennis's license. Uh, yeah, Dennis Carluzzo's license. Yeah, but without then, without that, I think NWA would have died with Dennis if it didn't die even sooner. Um, and I think I think one of the things that people don't realize Howard Brody did. I think Dennis Carluzzo had more titles than AEW and his small little promotion, all NWA based. <laughs> Maybe more than NWA and the current the current NWA and uh, AEW combined. I think Howard Brody also was instrumental to getting some of those to other places once the NWA expanded, because then you started seeing those championships defending in a lot of other territories and champions from those areas being champ. And then the the multiple tag team championships being eliminated. So there was only one for the tag titles. That's also, I think Howard Brody's uh, had something to do with on that one too. Otherwise you'll be hearing about the NWA international midget championship <laughs> and the, uh, and the quattro man intergender championship and stuff like that. Cause I think that that's what it would have been with um, Dennis. If he had his, his come up and I think he just liked buying and making belts personally, but. I I guess he Dennis, of course, was responsible for the North American title that lasted up until Billy, and he was responsible for what became the Junior Heavyweight title. He originally called it the Light Heavyweight title, but then put it on. That's not true. That was actually a separate championship. Well, this is back in the day. He he created as a separate championship that was his, and he called it the NWA Light Heavyweight title. Then he put it on. He didn't call it the world title. He was trying. He was doing a little bit of uh, what was his name up in Boston, Tony Rumble. He was a little bit of Tony Rumble stuff. He was just calling it the NWA light heavyweight title. And then he put it on a guy that was like three hundred pounds. <laughs> and then Howard Brody came in and said, "Well, we're <laughs> we're going to discontinue that title." And we're going to bring back the junior heavyweight title. 
to take its place. The World Junior Heavyweight title to take its place. So getting getting back to Brody and and James, our our buddy James posted this in the chat. You know, uh, Brody almost brought a syndicated New Japan Pro Wrestling show in the eighties, or was it early nineties? He did. He didn't almost. He did. Yeah. And that was called Ring Warriors, and that we had. That was actually Ring Warriors one. Yeah, that's the original incarnation of Ring Warriors, and then they attempted to do that a second time, uh, but it was going to be a digital format uh, online. And and when Howard Brody came onto our podcast, I checked the dates. I was actually looking for it, and unfortunately, the file was corrupted, and uh, I don't have a copy of it, so I don't have the original interview. Uh, But I, I do remember that it was. February in uh, 2012 that we spoke to Howard Brody and he had mentioned that um, what Ring Warriors was pioneering to do was the first uh, online broadcast. Like You think about it today, like that's how you watch Powers, watching it via online. That's how you digest the NWA. There's parts of AEW programming you can only see on YouTube. But back in the day, that was unheard of, and, and it was something that they efforted to do to bring wrestling into a, uh, a more modern age, uh, clearly before it was ready, and it only lasted about six episodes. But he and Hiro Matsuda efforted to do it online, and it just didn't work out. That was Ring Warriors version two, and then Ring Warriors version three was the actual wrestling promotion. Version four was when they were in Las Vegas, uh, where they were producing at the uh, Sam's Town, uh, we, we call it the Slams Town Arena, and that's where a lot of wrestling promotions uh, were actually working out of. So, like FSW was the local promotion. Ring of Honor would run there. Impact would run there. But uh, during all that, uh, that's uh, Ring Warriors did a series of tapings there using talents like Eli Drake and Alexander Hammerstone, and and. Uh, 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 Oh gosh, what's his name? Um, Austin Aries, or yeah, Austin Aries. I was thinking of uh, New Japan, uh, Jeff Jeff Cobb. Yes, Jeff Cobb. Thank you. Who was their first first world champion? He was that version's first grand champion, and they only had two. Mm -hmm. They used uh, Tokyo Monster Kahagas. They used Michael Tarver. Uh, They used uh, uh, Funny Bone, the demigod. They used Chance Prophet. Uh, they used Wes Briscoe. I mean, they used a lot of the same guys that were there in Florida, and it it, it was it was very interesting. It was it had a great dynamic, and so many big stars uh, came from that show. You know, either they were stars or were on their way to becoming stars. And uh, you know, that was Howard Brody, and he always had these big visions for pro wrestling, big visions for the NWA. And uh, like I said, he uh, was very kind to come on to this show in its infancy back in 2012 i mean we had i guess we had been on for been doing the podcast for about two or three years but you know outside of david marquez who i have a personal relationship that was one of the first wrestling promoters to come on and you know because of that later we would have guys like uh you know uh well a lot of (laughs) i'm drawing blanks now but we would have fred rubenstein come on and we would have uh, later, we'd have Bruce Tharp come on, and we would have, before him, we'd have, uh, uh, you know, uh, I'm just blanking on everyone's name right now. Sorry. Tommy we Cairo. Had a lot of guys come on to the show, uh, and I think it was because Howard helped pave the way for that. So 
Uh, Iron Man Tommy Cairo is another promoter at the time, NWA promoter that you got to talk to. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, I was thinking of uh, Bob. Um, I can't think of our president, former president's name, Bob. Trobich? Yes, Bob Trobich. Uh, he came on shortly after Howard came on. So uh, we had a, it, it helped establish this podcast to help, help establish some clout for us. And uh, that's funny that we've been doing this for over 10 years, guys. We've been doing it almost 15 years now. Uh, but, uh, yeah, so, again, uh, our, our condolences to the family, friends of Howard Brody. Uh, he's going to be missed. He did so much for the NWA. Um, I hope that uh, – I hope Billy acknowledges – Howard at the pay-per-view, although it probably won't happen, but wishful thinking, I hope they acknowledge Howard Brody. Uh, even just a little five-second video or five-second picture uh, before the pay-per-view. But um, we'll move on to talking some NWA wrestling. Uh, first of all, um, we do have some friends in the chat. I want to say hi to everyone. I see Luthez is here, Willie Bowen. Samar All Retro Studios is here. I don't think I've seen you in the chat before, Samar. Welcome. Uh, Jeremy from Wrestling with the MMA. Our pal, look, our pal Dave Scooby is driving to St. Louis tomorrow. He's going to be at those tapings uh, in St. Louis, so that's awesome. We'll have somebody on the ground floor. Of course, our buddy James is here. Tim from NWA Gold is here. I think I hit everyone up. Um and then real quick, because you guys were talking about Tony Rumble, you know, if you say his name three times looking in a dark room, his ghost will appear. Uh, James H. Jackson says, one of my favorite promoters was Tony Rumble. I lived at the NWA New England Territory shows. One of the wrestlers from NWA New England was Knuckles Nelson, and he drives mass transit buses in my state. I talk to him about all things NWA whenever I'm on the bus while he's driving. That's That's kind of cool. That's cool. Um, former NWA tag team champion, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. Yeah. And that controversy. So Controversy? Uh, You're saying, wait, 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 wait. You're saying the NWA has controversy? I've never heard anybody in the NWA talk about controversy before. Never. Feels so empty without me. Um, yeah. Great. Jay thinks he's Eminem now. Anyway. I'm, whoa. DK got the reference. I'm an Eminem fan. What the fuck? Are you kidding me? We're not talking about the chocolate candies there, DK. No, I know. <laughs> rap God. <laughs> Who doesn't like Rap God? Come on. It's one of the best songs out there. Oh, my I God. I don't even think you like rapping presents. Wow, I'm shocked. I don't like rapping presents. I suck at it. <laughs> you just got to go with the aluminum foil and the red ribbon. You're good. Yeah, that's how we get those red hats. I mean, those nice little hats when we talk about Billy Corgan's booking with the aluminum foil hats. <laughs> He's oh, the one wow. who needs a foil hat. This show has just the, come off the reels already, and we're only 25 minutes in. Hey, there was a show called Power that happened last week. And again, uh, we weren't no, here didn't. We weren't here last week. Uh, you know, a couple of us were under the weather. So, um we, we didn't get to talk too much about that episode, but one thing I do want to point out from that episode is it had a lot of interesting debut talents, but more importantly, Velvet Sky gifted her, whoa, can't talk, gifted her NWA uh, championship series uh, shot to uh, Tim Storm. And 
do you, Jaden or DKM, think that will play any kind of role during the 74th anniversary show? Uh, as long as Cordona doesn't win it and then Storm takes it away from him, like that's uh, maybe. Uh, I think it's possible in that it may set something up. I don't know that it will. I mean, I don't expect him to like cash in on the winner of Murdoch versus uh, Tyrus or try to cash it in on the first night or, you know, whatever. So, but I, I think it may, I think it may, you could end up with like a stare down or something like that at the end. I'm just saying, I think it would be kind of neat if you're going to take the belt off of Trevor Murdoch, which I personally am not advocating for, but if you want to make, if you want to give Tyrus that nod to put him as one of the names that are on the 10 pounds of gold, have him win and then have Tim Storm come out beat him and then you could do a whole reset with Tim Storm reintroduce the 10 pounds of gold. Let's get re-familiar with Tim Storm once again. Yeah, let's not do that. Yeah. <laughs> I don't I don't even think Tim Storm wants to do that. <laughs> yeah, I he didn't want to do it the first time. The other day and he even said like I didn't want to do the 10 pounds of gold. That was the last thing I wanted to do because I came in his words he came up in the industry when kayfabe was still very important. So he didn't want anybody to know that he was a school teacher, that he was married, or that he was as old as he was. And, uh, you know, and then those videos came out, and he was such an endearing character that I had people who didn't even watch the NWA or associate with the NWA come and tell me, man, Tim Storm's freaking awesome. It's just kind of funny how that all played out. Yeah, that's the way it tends to work in life these days. Now, I know the NWA doesn't have the youngest of roster, but do they really need Tim Storm? What is he now, 60? I don't think 50? he's 60. 57, 58. He's... he's not far off, if I'm not mistaken. I was watched him in a, uh, a match against Dan Severn from like 92 or something like that. He was older when he got in the business to begin with. Wait, wait, hold on, hold on. Jaden, is that recent that you saw the match with him in, in Severn? I think you might have even sent it to me. Uh, it wasn't me, because I've been looking Remember, for that match. It was you or DK, because uh, he was older, and he was heavy set and he had hair. I mean, he has hair now, but I mean, it was dark hair. He had a lot more of a mustache, too, right? He had more of a cowboy-type gimmick. Yeah. Well, he... I think so it might was- even been for Harley Race's promotion. Yeah, well, I know he was trained by uh, he was trained by Bill Ash. He's fifty-eight. One, what's that? He's fifty-eight. Yeah, and at one point, Bill Ash was helping the booking for uh, Harley Race and the World Legion Wrestling. That uh, back when Dave Marquez was part owner, so I know there's some sort of connection there, and I know it makes sense. I just just can't line it up correctly. Um, so night debuted in '95, so that match was probably in his first year of wrestling. Yeah, it was in the '90s. I remember that. It had a very '90s look to it. So, 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 DK and I both looked it up, and we saw 58. But Tim says 57, and James H. Jackson says 59. So he's around there. And look, I'm not advocating for the. He's man four years older than me. Yeah, I'm not advocating. Oh, uh, so he's like 204. 
<laughs> Jaden, I will drop kick you. And I'm old and fat. What, the shins? I was going to tell you, I'm old and fat, so I'll take out your knee. I guarantee you would. My knee could be taken out, unfortunately, with a hard sneeze. But still. Gust of wind. Jake um, farts too bad after those, off those avocados and beans that he eats, and I have all kinds of trouble. What I'm trying to figure out is how did Jay get me sick from California? How did I get what? Get me sick from California. Because you got sick first. Was those kisses? Sent you, he sent you a computer virus. <laughs> Apparently so. Okay. Since you brought it up, I have to mention this. In the early days of AOL and the grandstand forums and being on those chats all the time talking wrestling when I was a kid, my mom was watching something on TV, and I totally think it was like a parody show. But they were talking about how computer viruses can get you sick. And she literally came into the room and said, you need to get off the computer. I don't want you to get a computer virus. <laughs> like, Mom, that's not that's not how it works, Mom. Right. At least it's not a cyber sexual STD. Do you remember your first virus? Uh, I'm sure I had some sort of Trojan horse or something. I used mine to go probably came gra- from. I was about to say I mine probably to- came from a live wire. That was like giving you computer AIDS. Yeah, no, I I, I used to go on the AOL grandstand um, forums, and I would tell people that Greg the Hammer Valentine was my uncle. And it was obscure enough that people were like, yeah, that makes sense. And then we had a, there was a local uh, dirt sheet phone call, that uh, phone number that you can call. And it was like associated with the newspaper. And they had all kinds of like insider stuff for like soap operas or sports or whatever. And so I would listen to this guy talk about wrestling. And then I would tell my friends all this stuff. And they'd be like, no way. And it would all come out to be true because it was like, oh, well, he was there at the tapings or whatever. They're like, oh, yeah, well, this happened. And they're like, how do you know? I go, because Greg the Hammer Valentine's my uncle. It worked. Dave Scooby says he called. That's very Chris Ronquello of you. (laughs) Uh, Dave Scooby said he saw World Legion Wrestling back in 99 and 2000 in Springfield, Missouri. And Tim Storm was with the Cowboy Duster. Yeah, his original gimmick was Cowboy Tim Storm. When did he change that? Because like, I haven't seen like I've seen the old stuff, but I I I never saw like anything modern with him as the duster. Everything has been like, well, when he when he got jacked. (laughs) Well, he he went through a couple different phases. He was kind of that cowboy Tim Storm, and then he and Apoc were uh, the guy from the NWO. That was X-Pac. X. Oh. I said A. Apocalypse. I was making myself laugh on that one. I don't care. And uh, anyway, they were like the Dark Circle tag team. And they kind of had an apocalyptic, you know, gimmick. Was that kind of like a ministry gimmick, like the WWE ministry type gimmick? A little bit. Not quite so bad. And then, uh, and then he kind of went... He kind of went back to the cowboy gimmick in that the places would call him Cowboy Tim Storm, but I don't remember him actually wearing, like, the cowboy outfits. Didn't he kind of resemble Midian with the long hair and the mustache? Oh. 
he resembled. I'll tell you who he resembled. One of the goblins. Uh, Billy and Bark Gun. That's who he resembled. That kind, of, except for he was heavy. Not yeah, he flat. wasn't jacked. He, he didn't get jacked until later. But he was, he was big. And uh, no, I mean, it was often said he's probably in the best shape of his life. The five years or so before he won the NWA title up and through current. Well, he, you know, who he kind of reminded me of too in modern day is uh, through a Billy Cyrus, Silas, excuse me, kind of similar body shape. Yeah, and you know, if he would shave down to that big long, yeah, mustache, he'd probably get the great lighter hair. Now he insulted the guy. I'll never be on the podcast. <laughs> oh. Well, didn't you call him 204 years old? Well, that's what T- DK said. He's four years older than him. <laughs> well, I think he. I think you're the one that alienated him first. Uh, Tim, wait, wait, Tim knows, wait, Tim knows wait, that he's well-respected and well-received on this show. He's been on once. We had a great conversation once at uh, uh, behind the scenes at Championship Wrestling from Hollywood. And uh, I love that guy. Uh his story, his everything about what he did as world champion was very. Uh, I think even before Billy Corgan, he was a good dude to be world champion, and I feel like uh, a lot of people slept on him, myself included, because there wasn't a lot of bright lights uh, at the time. And uh, when you look back at what he did with the title, you know what he could do with the title. I mean, he he had matches with Jerry Lawler. No one was talking about because no one cared. Because at that point, the NWA was kind of um, – it, it got to another low point. It was coming off a big high with working with New Japan Pro Wrestling. Uh, you know, he went to Japan, and it was a big deal. Anytime someone's paying you to go to another country to wrestle, that's a big deal. Um, but it didn't really get well-received because it wasn't a New Japan Pro Wrestling ring. But, I mean, like, are you telling me right now that Trevor Murdoch wouldn't be happy to go jump into any – any ring in Japan and, and defend the 10 pounds of gold, I'm pretty sure as long as they meet his payday, uh, that'd be a great success for him. Yeah, it was a, that was in the last year of Bruce Tharp. And by then he and Ronquillo had split. And Bruce had some positives, but he wasn't really a businessman. Despite the were fact. they, were they iron chic positives? <laughs> well, Maybe I don't know. Positive, good. How can positive be bad? Positive's <laughs> good. EMA all day, baby. Trust me, I took several tests, but positive was not good. <laughs> so, are you uh, positive? Hello. What? You can't be taking phone calls on the podcast. Come on, man. <laughs> he just. I can do anything I want. He's like, yeah, I'd like to order a large cheese pizza, please. I wish. That I'm down seven pounds. How many? Seven. Oh, I, uh, you'll be happy to know that your boy Jay is about 20 pounds lighter today than he was about a month ago. Well, I'm about seven pounds lighter today than I was two weeks ago, so I'm pretty happy. <laughs> we'll, 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 uh, we'll all. I'll, I'll say thank you to uh, sleeping for days. All right, so let's let's actually get to some wrestling talk because that's what we're here for. Um, again, well, it depends on what wrestling talk. 
Yeah, can we talk about can we talk about good wrestling for a change? Uh, well, we we usually save the uh, talk about dangerous and German wrestling gladiators until the end of the show. Good plug. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Tim says DKM testing positive for that terrible illness. White Lavender Jones. <laughs> I love White Lavender Jones. I think that he would be a perfect manager for this incarnation of the NWA. I think you should get him on the show. I, you know, if I do, I might have people send me death threats. I might be one of them. <laughs> I'm sure he's positive too. <laughs> No more positive than you are, Jaden. Jaden, I missed you last week. Thanks for being silly. Um, so let's—I don't even have my document up here. What am I doing? I feel like I'm Your document up. What are we? We're professional about? YouTubers here, or wherever we're doing at the time. Uh, I've never said we're professional, even though um, we are monetized. Uh, I know I made. A hey, whole you're, sudden sudden. you're getting paid for it. That makes you a professional. I'm a professional, baby. Look it up. So this you want a uh, hot dog and a handshake instead? <laughs> it might be worth more. Um, <laughs> depends handshake. on the hot dog. <laughs> depends on who's shaking my hand. Isn't that who's how you got positive DK? <laughs> you shake more than once, you're having too much fun. You know, it's kind of like my uncle Bob used to say: Uh-oh. "Don't trust anybody named Jane." Anyway. Your Uncle Bob probably didn't know anybody named Jaden. Wasn't for me, you wouldn't know anybody named Jaden. That's <laughs> completely true. I went to school with a guy named Jaden. I knew a girl named Jaden. Was that well? First of all, I'll go for the DK joke. Was that clown school? Second of all, no, it was high school. And second of all, the Jaden was she a stripper? DK or Jaden? Jake? Whatever your name is, Jake Cal. No, she, she's a sixteen-year-old girl, so no. <laughs> Never mind. I had something to say, but I put. Oh, so I added it on myself. Not saying it. I like being monetized. <laughs> oh man! Yeah, well, I, I am passing on what I was going to say. So make sure you thank us. It's it's kind of funny because I was listening to some of the older podcasts today, and what we used to do quite regularly. We used to do uh, in 2012 was probably our most active year until um, modern times. But we would do an episode uh, twice a month. Um, And uh, in that time, we would get like line up like three or four guests. And every every other week we would have a new guest. And occasionally we'd fall fail to get a guest. and We would just do a free for all. And this is exactly what the free for all was. Just us being me carrying the show by being funny. Yep, exactly. Oh shit! All right, <laughs> moving on. Uh, so let's talk about power. Uh, Jane, I don't think you watched it, but you can uh, chime in on what you like. We we will at the uh, after we go over power, and we'll go through it quickly. We'll give you our picks for the seventy fourth anniversary show. Uh, we'll talk a little bit about Dangerous Adrenaline Wrestling Gladiators happening this Saturday uh, in beautiful rustic. Glassboro, New Jersey. Did, did I do? Uh, did I do it right? Yeah, but I think you said show instead of event. Oh, sh- yeah, probably. My wife is in Philadelphia. She's on her way to Philadelphia as we speak. I told her she should go to your show. 
event. She should go to your event, but uh, she's got other things she's doing. So, going to the Death Museum. <laughs> yeah, actually, she's going to the Mutter Museum. Same thing. Okay, she's going. To, she's going there. She's gonna go see. Uh, uh, oh God, what's her name? Go to see her mother and Barbara. her father. Oh, sorry. What? Go to see her mother and her father. <laughs> Hello, mother. Hello, father. <laughs> at this here. point. At this point, I'm surprised anyone's still listening, but uh, I do want to. Anyone, I haven't really checked the chat in a while. (laughs) Well, no one's really chatting, but I I do want to say thanks for you guys hanging out with us Uh, again. That's we did miss you guys last week. Uh, You can't tell, but uh, this exuberance is because we had some pent up uh, uh, podcast promos to to kick out Um, and some tequila. Why did we go from ten likes to three? (laughs) (laughs) No, it's up to four. Oh, okay. Um, all right. So uh, this week's episode of Power was called the 74 Celebration. This was a, uh, presented a little bit differently. This show was, it. I could be wrong, but it, the appearance was it didn't look like there were fans in the venue. It looked like it was the wrestlers surrounding the ringside as a, as a nod to the unity of the roster, which is kind of funny with all this stuff going on with Nick Aldis and everything else. Uh they kept calling it a special episode. Um, but like I said, it didn't seem like there was a single fan there. And uh, there was a lot of exuberance because they had balloons and, and ticker tape and all that fun stuff. It was kind of a nice touch to see the show like that. Uh, but again, it just felt kind of weird considering what's going on with Nick Aldis and the NWA currently. Uh, doesn't seem like it's as a uh, family environment as was portrayed on television. Um, the first match we get is Caprice Coleman taking on Chris Adonis. Now, this is uh, something that we should note. I don't believe Chris Adonis is booked for the 74th anniversary show at all. Like, not in a makeshift tag team, not in an opening no, I match. Think he is. Oh, who is he facing? I can't remember who he's taking on, but you'll have to go back and watch the. Billy Corgan announcement of the card. Oh, okay. Well, then I missed that. I didn't know he was on the card. Okay, well, that's, I mean, that's that's good. You do want your talent to be uh, presented. Um, so this was a great outing, a great debut for Caprice Coleman. This is his first episode of Power that he appeared on. Of course, uh, stepping in the ring with a two-time former NWA national champion. Uh, it wasn't going to be an easy match for him. Um, the match seemed pretty evenly matched. It didn't really, although Caprice is kind of billed as a junior heavyweight, he didn't really look like a junior heavyweight uh, in the ring. He certainly moves like it, but he, uh, you know, he's not a, a small guy by any stretch. And putting him in the ring with Adonis, he didn't look that out of place. Oh, uh, Dave Scooby said it's uh, Adonis versus Odinson. I didn't, that actually sounds like a good match. Yeah, that's more. That's the one match I'm more wanting to see than most of the rest of the card. And the, uh, Dave Scooby also says that's night one. Yeah, that <laughs> uh, that that's a good match, Billy. Good job. Uh, getting back to the match with Caprice. Um, like I said, it was very evenly matched. Caprice was doing a lot of his uh, high risk maneuvers, connecting with a lot of them. Adonis was still getting in his offense. So it wasn't like one man was running away with this match. Adonis ends up getting the victory with the master lock, but it, it almost felt like he had to steal that victory 
to 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 win the match. It was a clean match. There was no like interference, no cheating or anything like that. Um, and really, probably that was the best match on the entire card. Uh, DK, what were your thoughts on that one? Oh, in isolation, I thought it was a good match. I didn't fully get into it, but you know, yeah, it wasn't bad. You know, they went through those promo videos of pushing Caprice Coleman, and I was kind of excited for him to actually be wrestling again. Is he not being used because he's now doing commentary for the uh, once every three months Ring of Honor? Well, so he's he's been wrestling on USA. This is his first time wrestling on Power, and he is booked for the pay per view. He's actually wrestling uh, Colby Carino. I think that's on night one. Um, let me pull it up. Oh, night two, Colby Carino versus uh, Caprice Coleman. And so, I mean, they they are using him. It just appears that, um, you know, he's not, he's not what you, it's not a, a regular on the power roster. So it was kind of nice to see him in this position, but uh, DK, did you have anything more you wanted to add? Well, I mean, I think part of what, oh, I, part of the reason I wasn't able to get into, into it as much, or maybe it's more hindsight was I wasn't a fan of the ending. I mean, it, he didn't tap, but still just to, you know, be put out. It was like, I don't know. I'd like to see more. You know, the on USA, again, this kind of disconnect between USA and power. You know, they kind of have been building Coleman up, and then, you know, particularly in the junior heavyweight. You know, they had him tell homicide when you know when you get done playing with all these kids, come take on a man, you know, and everything. And so then you bring him up power and he passes out in a in the master lock. It's just like, yeah, that's it's 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 an example of a good match in isolation, bad booking. Yeah, Dave Scooby agrees with you. Uh, he says it was a good match, but it slows his momentum and him possibly going after the junior heavyweight title. And, and this is one of those times when it's like, if 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 I was booking the NWA, I would put a, I would put a match with Caprice that it would boost him up um, because at this point right now, Chris Adonis doesn't. Uh, this match doesn't make Chris Adonis a, a number one contender for the world title. It doesn't really do a whole lot for him. You know, you could have had this match with anybody else on the roster. And, you know, I know it's limited to who was there, but, like, you know, someone that comes to mind would be, like, uh, uh, well, anyone in the the uh, miserably faithful. Uh, it could have also been pretty much anyone in the Idol Mania Sports Management. Like, uh, the, you know, uh, a Marche Rocket versus a Caprice Coleman. I think not only would that be a good match, but it'd be a good victory for Caprice Coleman to kind of set him up for something bigger. If that's what your plans are, if your plans are to start pushing Chris Adonis back on top, then I don't have a problem with him beating Caprice Coleman. I just like, like what you said though, uh, DK, it's just, what does this do for anyone? Like um, the ending, the match itself was good, but the booking, what does it do for anyone? You know, if this is a match you have, if you're going to have Coleman go over. Yeah. 
it's not a match you have if you're going to have Donna's go over. Right. Or if both were being built up and this was a championship contenders match and was treated as such. There you go. Yeah. Yeah. But then it doesn't we, matter who goes over as long as it's a good finish, which is a poor like finish. A more, I'm sorry. Go ahead. This is a poor finish because it doesn't make Caprice Coleman look great because he's still lost. And yeah, he passed out. But he's not a top star. They even push him as a top star, so it doesn't mean anything that he passed out. And it doesn't really help Adonis because he can't even make this guy much smaller than him submit. And, and the thing with Adonis is he's not been booked well since he's been there. And so it's not – he's not really in any title picture. Not in the title picture for the national title they – done away with the TV title by leaving it on Tyrus for over a year. They've, you know, not pushed him as a challenger for the world title, even though he would have made perfect sense as somebody to be challenging uh, Trevor. Trevor Murdoch for the world title since he beat Trevor for the national title. But it's like, You know, I I think Billy has everybody kind of pigeonholed. And Jay disappeared again. But I think Billy has everyone kind of pigeonholed. And it seems to be almost impossible to get them out of out of that. You know, where wherever he's viewing them, they don't really seem to leave. Well, right. and and to your point. Uh, or to I guess to what Jane's point was is if this would have been a match for like a number one contendership, well then Adonis going over would be fine, but because it's not, it does nothing for him in terms of momentum. He's kind of a lost rudder right now. He hasn't really done anything. Um, now well, maybe the booking plan is to start pushing him, and this is the start of it. But you know, why not have him put over Caprice Coleman today and have him put over Odinson at the pay per view? And then give, and then at that point, then kind of reboot Chris Adonis and put him into a meaning, a meaningful feud. But you're using somebody who had notoriety, who was a champion, put over some of the guys who are new to the show or guys that you're trying to push as single stars. It would have certainly, to, to both of you guys' credit, I think that would have made a lot more sense. Well, and you know, the key to what Jaden said was if you have built them up. If it had just been a number one contenders match, we'd all be going, well, why are they in the number one contenders match? But if this had been something that was built to, you know, like let's say over the course of a taping where two guys are, you know, getting some strong victories and wanting, talking about wanting challenge for the world title and you go, okay, you know, here you guys, you know, you guys have won some matches here throughout the thing. We'll put you in against each other, and the winner goes on to face Murdoch. Well, then you go, okay, yeah, Adonis makes more sense. But just just for a random, meaningless match in front of nobody, you know, it, good action, bad, bad booking. Add to that, too. Well, Caprice Coleman isn't a household name. The NWA isn't exactly star-studded with its big-name talent, and Caprice Coleman does have at least some name value. So why aren't they trying to get the most out of it? Unless, unless again, 
he's just not coming back or he's only here until this to put over Colby and then that's he's gone forever. You know, then they're not using him to his best potential. Plus the guy yeah. can talk. Yeah, and I think that that would make a lot of sense, but um I don't know. It, again, it's like what we we're expecting somebody uh to tell us like why they booked it when I don't think they even know why they booked it that way. Um let's go to the next segment which was actually another match uh surprisingly enough and it was Kayla Cassidy versus Genocide. Uh, now this was uh the debut again for Kayla Cassidy and I it's just me maybe I think I don't think anybody should debut in the NWA on power. I think that should be reserved for people who are established. I think you should be bringing people onto USA to get them their first matches. And that way the matches on power, uh, power have a lot more meaning. So like if you put somebody like uh, Natalia Markova in genocide or Kylan King in genocide, that match is very impactful as opposed to somebody like Kayla Cassidy, who we don't know, we haven't seen before. Um, and she has a lot of sass and a lot of attitude. Um, but this is this is almost a waste of time. The match doesn't even really happen because it's over before, you know, I think Kayla got one kick on Genocide before Genocide kicked her back and then ended the match with the uh, Jenna 9000. It was, pretty, it was over pretty quick. It was more comical than anything else. Uh, Kayla Cassidy, I don't know if that's the kind of debut that uh, is going to do anything for her long term, but uh, that was that. DK, what did you think about that one? No, it was a waste of time. Uh, and I don't know, I pointed this out before, the NWA kind of has this habit of like, oh, you know, here's so-and-so, and, you know, or they're debuting, and, you know, almost like it's a big deal that this person that we've never heard of is about to have a match, and then they beat them. And then you're going, okay, well, what do I care that, you know, you're telling me that they're here to debut? You know, it's, you haven't really done anything in the past that makes me excited. And this is just another example of what in this match makes me ever want to see Kayla Cassidy again. And again, like, uh, We'll we'll see. There's other ladies that uh, are here on the show tonight as well, but it's just it, it's throwaway. It, this is supposed to be the, the lead to your pay per view. Like so far, uh, the Caprice Coleman and Chris Adonis match was good, uh, but this match was not. In it kind of goes more in that direction the rest of the night. Uh, coming up next, we get the Cardona family promo. Now this was actually pretty good. Um, it gave everyone a chance to kind of be spoken and be seen. Uh, you, VSK has more or less become the uh, mouthpiece for Mike Knox, which is kind of interesting because I know VSK recently uh, made his AEW Dark debut. So don't really know what's in the future for him if he's still going to be uh, available to the NWA. Uh, but Knox and VSK are very focused in on Bully Ray. Uh you know, Knox even says he's been sleeping better at night because he knows he has an opportunity to to finally right one of the wrongs in his life by putting Bully Ray through a table. Uh, we have Brian Myers there, who we haven't really seen as the collective with the family. Um, and he says he's there because his best friend has asked him to be there, uh, but didn't really go into anything more than that. 
And then you get Matt Cardona, who's almost ready. And the thing about this promo is, you know, the guy is the guy's good on the mic. Uh, and this was an opportunity for him to put himself out there. And it, I think he did a good job. And, you know, the thing is about the show, about Powers, they're tiptoeing around who the number one contender is for the world title. They never even mentioned Tyrus is challenging for the 10 pounds of gold on the show. And I think they, because I don't know that they knew that's who would be challenging for the title. And so you have Matt Cardona, who's almost ready. And that I think the promo did a good job of solidifying his spot when he is ready. DK, what did you think about it? Didn't Knox already put Bully Ray through a table? Yes. And have we heard one peep out of Bully Ray? Uh, not on the program, no. No, they actually put on something that people actually watch, and that's his podcast, his radio program. I guess listen to. <laughs> I mean, okay, they're having a tables match between... Mike Knox and Bully Ray because of something that happened X number of years ago in TNA. (laughs) And my excitement level for it is exactly negative three. Did you see the Twitter war, and I'm using that very lightly, where um, Bully Ray said that Matt Cardona would have never lasted an ECW during his time and Matt Cardona said, well, you wouldn't last in any modern promotion in 2022. I did see that. Yeah, I mean, it's just... Eh, I don't care. So, I mean... Is it because it's Bully right? Is it because of the bad angle that happened in a bad promotion a couple of not-so-bad years ago? Or... Because Bully Ray, what does it make me care. I mean, what? It, they're they're first of all, they're playing off the. I ever watched that. They haven't really fully explained it outside of when Knox first confronted him. So, you know, they haven't fully done anything. They haven't fully explained it. They haven't. You know, Bully Ray hasn't been on the shows. I don't watch his podcast because there's only so much time in the world. And I'm just, oh, why? I mean, Bully Ray's not even an active wrestler anymore, except for these one-off appearances. And it's and it's like I'm supposed to be excited because it's a tables match. Crap. I mean, first guy to put the other guy through a table wins. Woohoo! No disqualification. Lazy booking. Maybe Billy Corgan was maybe Billy Corgan was replaced by um oh crap, what's that moron from New York's name again? Vince Russo. Vince Russo, yeah. Maybe he was replaced by Vince Russo. Maybe. It, at least it sounds more like Russo's bad booking. I mean there's I mean there's nothing to it. I mean, really looking at the whole thing, what outside of the fact that uh Matt Cardona is almost ready. Was there really anything at all to this that made you go, hey, I want to go buy a pay-per-view? No, but that's the whole point. That's that's the whole thing about this 
uh, this show tonight. There's nothing about it that sold me on the pay-per-view. You know, are we going to get Caprice Coleman and and Chris Adonis in the match at the pay-per-view? Because maybe I'd tune in for that. But so far, there's nothing. This is supposed to be the take-home show, the go-home show to the pay-per-view. And it's done nothing to entice me to order the pay-per-view if I wasn't already getting it as part of my my package. Um, no, no jokes, Jade. Nothing. All right. Uh, you know your it, package it, is your package jokes right itself. So, and honestly, um, it 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 doesn't do anything. It seems like by your description, it sounds like just whatever match they had left over in the taping, they didn't have any idea where to play. Well, and I don't even think it was that. I think it was uh, they they purposely went this route because, like, th- there's no fans in the audience. Like, they taped this with the intent that this was going to be what it was. It wasn't like they cherry-picked matches that just weren't good or didn't make sense. It's like, no, they, they purposely planned it this way. It, it, I don't know. Because they don't know what they're doing. I mean, just – I mean, they have a world title match – at their pay-per-view that they crowned a number one contender for that they knew wasn't going to be the number one, wasn't going to be the person in the match at the time they crowned the number one contender. But they obviously didn't know what the plan was then because the shows have done everything they can to avoid talking about it. Jeremy points out last night when they were doing the other guys, he said the same thing. He said, it felt like it was just really for the talent. And, and that's the thing, like, uh, uh, does the talent even care? <laughs> like, yeah, they were into it, but, I, I mean, they were also paid to be there. So, uh, I don't know. I, I don't know. Um, the next segment, this was actually, you know, I take it back. This was actually pretty good, too. There were some parts that were absolutely stupid, but there were some parts of this match that I enjoyed. And I'm talking about the triple threat elimination tag team match. Featuring, uh, you know, Jaden's buddy, Rhett Titus, with Gustavo, which that was an odd pairing. Uh, the Dirty Sexy Boys and Hawksari. Uh, now, watching JTG in the ring with uh, with Rhett Titus and Luke Hawk, I mean, you got some damn good wrestling right there. But then you have Gustavo and Dango doing a hip-off, which was an embarrassment not just to the business, but to my own personal self, having to watch this and 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 people try to justify this as good entertainment it's not it's not wrestling and it's not entertaining it's just shit this is the kind of shit i don't want to watch and i i I chalk this up the same kind of shit that i don't want to see with uh gags the gimp just doesn't have a place it'd be funny if they did it once but to do it for like i think they spent like at least a minute doing this segment where they're hipping each other off it was just stupid didn't have any place in it. Anyways, uh, PJ shows what hips are when he gets in the ring and starts uh, actually doing some wrestling moves. And he takes down Dango. Uh, Gustavo spends a lot of time outside of the ring. Um, and then there's another weird moment where you have Dango come out of the ring, walk over to Velvet, looking at Velvet. They look like they might kiss. Velvet's smiling at him. He's smiling at her. And then she smacks him. And then he's into it, and then she's into it. It's weird, man. And I, whatever is in their, you know, whatever they want to do in their bedroom is fine. I don't care. I'm not here to judge any of that. But this is a wrestling show. Can we go back to the actual wrestling? 
then once Dango gets back in the ring, PJ is quick to throw him in a three-quarter Nelson for the pin. Uh, Titus immediately attacks PJ. And that's uh, that. Oh, by the way, that eliminated uh, the dirty, sexy boys, which was good. Then you got Rhett Titus wrestling PJ Hawk. And that's something I could probably watch all day. That would be a match that they should have put on the pay-per-view PJ Hawks and Rhett Titus. That's some good fundamental wrestling, something that is legitimate. It feels legitimate. It looks real. I don't feel like a buffoon watching it. And, uh, uh, they keep going back and forth, but uh, eventually PJ uh, sets up uh, Titus kind of up like a 3D for Luke Hawk, who catches him and power slams him. That was pretty awesome, that finishing move. So, like I said, there were some parts of that match that I really, really liked, and then there were some parts that I just thought were absolute horse shit. A lot more <laughs> horse shit than anything else. And Dave why is Chet, why is Brett the one losing when Gustavo was in this match? Yeah, uh, that's a good point too. But he was pretty much a non-factor after the hip off. Um, Dave Scooby says, "Wish I could be paid to be in the crowd." Uh, our our buddy James uh, points out that Colby will be wrestling Caprice. That's going to be a good match. Don't get me wrong, but I I very much like Rhett Titus. Um, I very much like PJ Hawk. I'd like to see them in the ring more. Um, and then uh, Doty, Doty's here. He says a tag team match which consists of two or more, or more than two teams is a recipe for disaster. And that I agree with. One more. So, Bless you, my child. Uh, what's that now? Bless you. That's what happened at the last show, and then everyone got sick. So I hope uh, hope you're okay. Oh no, I'm gonna have a computer virus now. <laughs> and, Is that why uh, DK ran away? He saw you ready to sneeze. He didn't want to get yeah, sick again. He, yeah, he probably had to go take some more medicine or something. So that uh, that'll take us to the next part uh, in the match where we're supposed to get the women tag team champions facing off against each other. We're supposed to have Kenzie Page and Ella Envy, and at first, this match didn't make any sense to me at all. I didn't understand what they were going for. I had no idea. What, why would you bring uh, the champions in to fa- face each other? That seems like you're trying to break up a tag team, Billy. We know um, he never does that. No, not at all. So That's not in his wheelhouse. Uh, right. So we're, we're trying to... <laughs> Doty says DKM after dark. <laughs> uh, so... At the very least, I'm thinking we're going to have a, a nice competitive match because, um, you know, Ella, Ella Envy has impressed me. Um, she is exactly what you'd want in, in a heel a heel talent. Uh, I believe the term, Jaden, you can correct me, is a, is a uh, what's it? Uh, now I forgot the term. A chicken shit heel. I think that's the expression. Where yes. she runs from everyone. She talks a lot of trash. Um, and she's, she's kind of fun in the ring. She's, she's a cute girl, but she's also has, uh, some personality to her. She can wrestle, but like, again, she would rather dive out of the ring when things get dodgy. And then you got Kenzie page. Who's almost the exact opposite at this point. She's very dynamic in the ring. She's very athletic in the ring. You could tell that Kenzie page has worked a lot since her debut on power to today. Like her body looks different. Her in ring is better. She's more crisp. And uh, 
So so the two are are in the ring, getting ready to face off against each other. And then we have Mercutio come out, the French the French model or Italian model, excuse me. And uh, you know he 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 brings out Haley's shadows and Jay Lee, who I'm not even entirely sure we've been introduced to before. If they if they have, I don't recall. And uh, he says that they want to fight for his love, so let's make it a tag team match. Why not? Again, who put this shit? Adam Pierce had a great shirt design years ago, and I wish I still had it. I wish I had it. Who booked this shit? Because this is just dreadful. Um, so you don't really get a match here because these two females aren't really decent wrestlers. Uh, they're outclassed and outmatched by Ella Envy and Kenzie Page. The match is over quick. And then Ella Envy starts talking shit to the former champions, the Hex. Now, of course, you know, when you have Allison Kay and you have Marty Bell, they're not going to just sit there and let someone talk trash to them. So they do what anyone would do, and they jump in the ring. And then Ella Envy, again, being that little uh, chicken shit hill, pie faces Allison Kay, which sets off the, the former champions, and they beat the crap out of Kenzie and Ella, so much so that Ella just dives out of the ring, and Kenzie just gets an ass whooping because of Ella's actions. So, I mean, for that part, it was kind of funny. But uh, the match itself was non-existent. This was the best hype they did for any matches for the pay-per-view. And it still didn't make me want to see the match anymore. No. By the way, I'm not sure who either of you would know who this is, but Haley Shadows is the sister of Madman Pondo. Wait, say that again? Haley Shadows is the sister of Madman Pondo. That would make face. That would make sense with the face paint she was wearing. She's actually not a bad wrestler. She's more of a brawler. Um, she probably would be better to be associated with with genocide, but you know that would actually make sense. So why would the NWA do something like that? Um, and then our, our buddy James points out that the the point of the match was to figure out who the boss of the team was supposed to be. And that makes sense, too, because Ella Envy, again, is that chick shit heel. She wrestles as a heel. Kenzie Page, for the most part, when she's in a singles, she wrestles like a babyface and only lately has kind of adopted some heel tactics while in the ring with Ella Envy. But when she's uh, by herself, she wrestles as a babyface. And then you saw when they won the tag titles, uh, Ella Envy did some underhanded, you know, using the belt. And Kenzie Page felt guilty about that. So there was a, a, supposed to be a battle for who controls the team. But, again, we didn't even get that. And, uh, well, and, you know, the very first time, the very first time they wrestled the Hex, they were actually both heels. Yeah. So it wasn't until they won the title because, you know, we need drama. We need controversy. We don't – We and Billy hates tag teams. So – Hey, DK, scoot over a little bit to I think you're right. This way? Yes. It was like Phantom of the Opera. Half your face is... <laughs> People were probably happier that way. Uh, and then our pal Dave Scooby says, if they're fighting over Mercutio, shouldn't they have faced each other and not be a tag team? Again, no, that's logical. Go ahead, DK, sorry. I said don't be logical. So, again, um, 
yeah, not really entertained so far. Uh, next up, we get Kyle Davis uh, with Trevor Murdoch at the podium. Uh, I really dig the new Trevor Murdoch, the Harley Race-esque inspired Trevor Murdoch with the gravelly low tone voice and not a lot of exuberance and just tells you what he's going to do. And he comes out there and he sips a little bit of the champagne that's uh, that's at the podium and and basically says he's coming home and he's bringing hell with him. But again, no illusion, no uh, no point into who he's wrestling against. Uh, you know, they didn't say, "Hey, what do you think about your opponent, Tyrus?" They didn't even say, "Hey, what do you think about your opponent, Nick Aldis?" They just uh, very ambiguous. So it was cool to see him and hear him talk, but really nothing was said and nothing really mattered. DK, do you agree? Well, nothing about this show mattered. <laughs> yes, I mean there was. I mean, by this point, I'm just, you know, almost wishing I'd have a relapse of my illness. <laughs> uh, next up, we get uh, the spectacular. One thing I do like about this episode is there wasn't a lot of, like, stupid promos. Because that's the worst is when you're sitting through a show and the matches are bad and then you get worse promos. Um and uh, so, so, anyways, um, then we get the Spectaculars, the new form team of Brady Pierce, no relation to Adam Pierce, with Rush Freeman and his big brother Ronaldo, who is a little person, wearing bow ties, not unlike the uh, Fantastics or the Fabulous ones, taking on the Commonwealth Connection. Now, this is a non-title match, but if the uh, Spectaculars win, uh, they may get a title shot down the road. Um, I like the tag team pairing of Pierce and Freeman. I like the throwback to the Fantastics. I like the fact that they gimmicked them up. Um, I'm even okay with little uh, Rolando being the spitfire that he is. Um, they, they became a tag team after uh, Jeremiah Plunkett jettisoned Rush Freeman out of the Ildegotten because they wanted to bring Brady Pierce into it. And after a few Dosikis decided they would become a tag team. Um, the match, though, was just kind of dumb. Again, uh, I think Freeman and Pierce have a ton of potential. They're two guys who are bigger without being bigger. I mean, they're both tall. They're both at least 6'6", right? Uh, they're probably, you know, I would say 220 to 240. Not very uh, thick wrestlers, but... They have a good look, and I think, you know, they could be something uh, to consider for that USA tag team title uh, that they're going to be crowning at the 74th uh, second night. Uh, So for that, I mean, I'm okay with the pairing, but the tag team just, it didn't even feel like a showcase. It just, it was just kind of a mugging, you know, uh, Harry and Doug outclassed them in the ring. They outclassed them with power, speed, and everything else. Uh, So the match ends with a chaos theory. Not much to talk about here. Uh, DK, what did you think about this match? Hey, they're going to be in a battle royal for the U.S. Tag Team Champion. This team that was just utterly effing destroyed by the World Tag Team Champions are shown to be perfectly worthless. (laughs) No value as a team. You saw nothing in there that made you want to cheer for him. You saw nothing in there that made you want to boo him. You just said, God 
they suck. Um, and our buddy and James, this is the team that's going to be in there in a battle royal for the U.S. Tag Team Championships. Maybe the two teams they announced have been have been losers that week. But, you know, Billy Corgan, give me one freaking reason I should care about your U.S. Tag Team title. Maybe they should book the NWA uh, California Tag Team Champions, the Gladiators. There's a deep cut if anybody knows what that means. It's, I, I don't, I don't follow. They're the team that lost to the Mulkies when Mulky Mania was started. <laughs> um, the Mulkies would make as much sense. Our buddy James asked when these matches were taped. Anyways, uh, I can only assume that this show was taped after the Always Ready pay per view with the other matches and. Maybe they did this before they brought the fans in, or maybe after. Or I, I really don't know. Um, and then something else that our buddy uh, Luthez said that I think bears repeating is that they taped an interview with Billy Corgan dropping tomorrow morning on Fox 2, uh, and that's for a local promotion. The last year they did a press conference and sent the champ to the morning show. Results conform to effort. Did you notice that one of their big selling points for tickets recently has been the meet and greet with Billy Corgan? Yeah. And did you notice if you go out to their website to buy tickets, they're running a special for like 10 bucks or some ridiculous thing? This isn't selling well. No. This isn't doing well. No. They've done very little to make you want to see it. Some of the matches are are interesting or good, but they're not... I mean, do they have to be on a pay-per-view? Not necessarily. I mean, actually, some of their lower card matches are far more interesting than some of their upper card matches. I mean, they're having battle royal of loser tag teams to make to make them a champion. And, you know, who knows if they'll actually put the title on anybody. And it's just, you know, anybody that serves it, like Hakari or, you know, something like that, someone they could, you know, make money off of if they knew how to promote and knew how to book. I mean, it's just ridiculous. And, you know, my only hope is that they have a tendency to put on good matches on the pay-per-view, so I'm hoping to actually see good matches on the pay-per-view like we normally do. I'm hoping it'll be, you know, you know, overall good show, even if the booking doesn't make sense. I mean, I'm excited for at least one match of the two nights. So uh, we'll have to wait and see if there's anything. Uh Hopefully they don't do anything stupid and put the junior heavyweight title on Morton or anything. I will say this: I saw a picture of Morton lately, uh, recently, and he he actually looked pretty good. Like he been hitting the gym. No, he. I I will say several of them look better. He I even made that comment about uh, PJ Hawks that he looked. You know, you can tell he's been working out. You can tell he's been defining. 
a lot of these guys are looking a lot better than when they first came in, especially after the COVID or some beforehand. But so much of so much of what the NWA does for its looking, you know, last time we were on the show and I made the comment. I go, the problem is being successful is not the number one goal of Billy Corgan. Booking what Billy Corgan wants to book is the number one goal of Billy Corgan. He just wants that to be successful. So, Jaden is someone who's been around the business for 50, 60, 70 years. Uh, What is your thought of an attitude like that? I don't remember if you were here when I said that the first time. I wasn't there when he said it the first time, but uh, that is kind of true. Billy Corgan wants what he wants everybody to want what he wants, not what the fans want. And if you're a really good booker, you can make them happen. I mean, all Japan pro wrestling turned itself around by making the wrestling fans want what all Japan was putting out, but they also did it with some of the best damn wrestlers out there and some clean finishes. And that's completely opposite of what they used to do. Um, Billy Corgan is just feeding you chicken something and telling you it's chicken salad, you know? And yeah, that's unfortunately what we're stuck dealing with. Hey, Dave Scooby, it's not too late. You can cancel your trip to St. Louis and come to Glassboro, New Jersey on August 27th at the Max Fit Sports Center located at 240 Delcy Drive South in beautiful uptown Glassboro, New Jersey. You'll probably have a lot more fun and it'll cost you less money. And probably a shorter drive, too. Yeah. Um, and, and to what both of your points are, like, and, and James H. Jackson is in the chat saying, you know, Billy Corgan is on, you know, he, he's thinking that he's getting the NWA to the same level as WWE and AEW. And I've heard a few interviews with uh, Billy Corgan as of late. And he feels like he's a lot closer than I really think he, he is. And I don't know if this is like a delusion. You know, look, he's a rock star, right? So he knows how to be successful in entertainment. And and I don't, I definitely don't believe that that translates to pro wrestling. But he has obviously a lot more connections than what you or I would have because of who he is and what his name means. However, this show I don't think is ready for prime time. I don't think this show would do well if it was on cable TV. And if you put this up against NXT or Impact or AEW or any of the WWE programming, it loses every time. And I don't think it has to. I don't think it's always going to be bad. But I think that they there's some things that they can obviously do to make it better. But a throwaway show like they did on, on, on Tuesday, I mean – where you basically throw your hands up and say, it is what it is, guys. And and to what uh, what our pal Luthez was saying, like, last year, they had Mickey James. They had Nick Aldis. They had press conference, which Billy Corgan was there. They had uh, Tootie Lynn Ramsey. They were supporting the, the first St. Louis wrestler that's invited to be a part of the Empower pay-per-view. And it felt special. They haven't done anything special. Uh, I, I've, I've, you guys have seen them too. If you're on Twitter or Facebook, you're seeing all the interviews that the champions are doing. You've got Joe Galley doing interviews. You've got, uh, Billy Corgan doing interviews. Hell, Nick Aldis was on busted open last night or, or yesterday morning. You, you have all these folks, um, doing more and more press to get the show hyped. 
but the numbers aren't there. If you look at the ticket sales, they're not there. And the reason why is because this show, uh, Look, I think this show is perfectly fine. I think this show, the the pay-per-view, I think is with the right push, could have been doing a lot better than it's doing. You know, if I'm Billy Corgan, why not buy some local TV time and put power on in that local market for a month leading up to the pay-per-view? Why not do something like that to kind of show people what it's about? Entice Because have you seen the show? That's why. <laughs> That's why not. Well, look, you know, here, you know, here's the thing. What I said about Corgan, I mean, that's that could be said about Vince McMahon, and that could be said about Tony Khan, and uh, you know, I think that's what's. But when you look at what's going on in WWE right now with uh, Triple H, yeah, Paul Levesque, Triple H trips, whatever you want to call them. Uh, you see someone who's like, he's putting out the wrestling that he wants to put it out, but he's putting it out in a way that the fans are wanting to see it. Or at least, you know, the fans that, you know, he's cultivated over the years. And so, you know, you're not, you don't see three weeks of rematches and, you know, and you see some of the, some of them of the old NXT people being used better. I mean, there's some, you could probably, you know, there's some stuff you still see the Barry McMahon influence on, but you know, nothing's magic. Nothing's going to just magically change overnight, but you know, he broke 2 million on Monday night raw and the ratings twice in a calendar month. And that hadn't happened since, like the when they first went to the Thunderdome era, or not even the Thunderdome, I think when they first stopped doing crowds during COVID, you know, people are tuning, tuning in just, you know, how are they handling this? What's it going to be like? Well, it's still bad. Okay. <laughs> and well, so, it, and so, but my, my point is, Corgan's not alone in this as far as he's not. Re- He's not really booking for success. He's booking for what he wants. You know, you guys should appreciate it and enjoy it and love it. But you, you can't book that way and, and expect to be successful. And if he thinks he's anywhere near the level of even AEW, you know. I don't think he's on the G, uh, Jay says he doesn't think. MLW. Jay says that he wouldn't put this on primetime television against that. I wouldn't put him against 1230 in the morning against Doug and Bob McKenzie on the Canadian station. Well, you would never put it against Bob and Doug McKenzie on the Canadian station. But anyway. Yeah, I mean, it's, you know, it's just crap. Let me, let me make a point real quick. No. Yes. It was, (laughs) it was September 2nd, 2007, babe in Puerto Rico. The finals of the NWA reclaiming the glory championship match. It was Brent Albright versus Adam Pierce. Now that was supposed to be Brian Danielson versus Brent Albright. And the plan was that uh, Brian Danielson was supposed to win the NWA World's Heavyweight Championship. Now, obviously, he got injured and he was never able to compete for that title. So Adam Pierce stepped into that role 
that's what the NWA wanted because, you know, Brian Danielson after the injury just wasn't even available because soon after that he was signed by the WWE. So what the NWA did was present Adam Pierce as your world's heavyweight champion. And between the NWA bookings and Adam Pierce's own ingenuity, he put himself out there as a relative unknown with the 10 pounds of gold and made himself into probably one of the greatest champions of the modern era. But that was a lot of work. But at the time he wasn't well received. There was a lot of time people were like, why is he on this guy? Who the hell is Adam Pierce? But the respect that he earned going out there and putting on good matches and going out there and wrestling against good competition elevated him and made the it made the title mean something. It made the NWA relevant. You know, I get I get that everyone in the world wants to credit Nick Aldis for saving the NWA, but you know, Adam Pierce did that 10 years earlier when when Impact and the NWA split ways. And if we're going to be real about it, he did it without uh, a millionaire paying his way, right? So when you think about what Billy Corgan is trying to do, you're right. It, it's not any different than what any other promoter does. Tony Khan books a show that Tony Khan wants to book. Uh, Triple H books the show that he wants to book. And Billy Corgan books the show that he wants to book. The only difference is two of those guys are appealing to an audience that is well receiving what he's doing. And then Billy's, I, I, he needs, it's not working. You know what? We could go on forever about this, but you know, you're talking about Adam Pierce, and I remember specifically uh, early in his first reign, Adam Pierce was in Texas, and I wasn't able to make the show. But I was reading the review of one of the guys I knew who was at the show, and he said, He said, He goes, Pierce is, you can tell Pierce is new as a champion as he doesn't seem to have the confidence that a normal champion has. You know, and stuff like, and again, this is like two, three months after first winning the title. I mean, you know, not not long at all. And uh, and they did one of those things where his match was actually wasn't even like the main event. It was like there were like two matches after it, and he wasn't facing one of the top guys in the area or whatever. And you know. And my point to this, like you said, Pierce went on. Pierce hustled. Look, the success of Adam Pierce was Adam Pierce. Mm-hmm. It was with not, a little bit of help from Dave Marquez. Yes, some, but because you know Dave was booking him and you know pushing him and stuff like that. But Adam Pierce wrestling across the country, Dave Marquez wasn't you know getting Adam Pierce the bookings in you know Ohio or. Texas, or, well, I think one of the Texas shows was him, but maybe this one. But, you know, in other words, he, he wasn't getting him the bookings in other promotions. That was Adam Pierce getting himself the bookings in other promotions. Adam Pierce wasn't being paid a salary, an annual salary, you know, where that was broken down to how often uh, Nick Aldis gets paid. And, uh, you know, he was making money because he was going out and promoting himself and promoting his title. And, you know, we said before, Adam Pierce defended his title far more in non-NWA promotions than he ever did in NWA promotions. 
And, yeah. And that was because of him. And so, yeah, you know, thanks, Bob Trovich, for agreeing to put the title on me. Thanks, you know, Marquez for being my supporter. Adam Pierce was out there for the better half of three and a half years as champion on five different occasions because Adam Pierce made himself a value. When Pierce got his third, was his third title reign or Yeah. His third was when he beat uh, Blue Demon Jr. and uh, and Shatter in North Carolina. And that's when he lost to Colt Cabana, right? Yes. The first time he lost to Colt Cabana. Yes. All right, so it was his fourth title ring when he uh, when he won back the vacant title. And, you know, people forget that You've been out injured. You've been off for a while. Uh, and he was coming back. And by his fourth title ring, he was so well-established and fit the championship mold so much that people were booking him because they knew he'd be winning the title. You know, let's break k here. They knew he was going to be winning the title at the end of July. And they were ready for it. They were ready to book him as a world champion, come in and defend the title. Because he was that damn good. So, you know, I'm sorry, Nick Aldis. I'm sorry, Billy Corgan. You guys aren't the saviors you think you are. Well, and, and let, okay, so let's just look at it this way, right? Nick Aldis did put in some mileage. And I, I don't oh, want to I'm not going to deny it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we don't want to take away from that. But could you imagine if 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 all this had to work under the same conditions as Pierce? He would have would, would he have still been the champion he was? If Pierce was put in the same conditions as Aldis, would he have been the champion he was? And I, I think the answer is probably for both of them. I don't I don't know when he first started. You know, he got a lot of bookings when he first came back, a lot of bookings in England that were regardless of his NWA title title win. But I don't know that I don't know that Aldis ever would have competed in the same way of going out and getting the bookings the way the way Pierce did. Maybe. You I mean, gotta because he didn't have to, but I don't you gotta give all this props for what he was able to accomplish. I mean, look, we've said it before that China show, anybody could have been wearing the ten pounds of gold, and Dave would have took taken them to China. That was his goal. It didn't have to be all this. All this didn't sell that pay per view or that excuse me that show in China. It was the ten pounds of gold. So anybody wearing that title, the fans didn't know. Nick Aldis all that much. They didn't know Colt Cabana. They just knew the 10 pounds of gold. They knew the NWA. But when you look at Australia, right, and the House of Hardcore, like, they absolutely knew who Nick Aldis was. And I, Tommy Dreamer even spoke about it uh, on Busted Open recently, that he brought in Aldis because Aldis had value and would come in and kick ass and put on a good match. And that's, you know, I'm not saying that Aldis isn't capable of that. And this is really kind of churned into something different. Uh, I, I didn't really think we'd spend this much time talking about it, but at the end of the day, 
even if the roster wasn't what we wanted, even if the match lineups aren't what we wanted, um, there are ways to make this exciting for the fans. And I feel like the NWA has failed to deliver that. Doing a bunch of interviews on the internet isn't going to make ticket sales fly out the window. If you were on the fence about going to this show, maybe. But, you know, me being in California, you know, if I wasn't sold on this show a month ago, I'm not going. And if St. Louis fans aren't sold on this show now, what's going to make them go? Well, just um, uh, well, one thing here real quick. I will say, you know, look, I'm openly a wasn't Nick Aldis fan as champion until he got overexposed. And I was the one that early in the second reign said, as far as I was concerned, he could hold it for the next couple of years. I didn't have a problem with that. And uh, that was true. I'm going to disagree with Sean Mega. I think you can compare the two because I think that you. Uh, I was I just think, typing that. <laughs> because I think. The time has nothing to do with it. There are other people out there right now that could be, you know, exploiting and going and doing and things like that. I mean, again, we talked about Rob Conway, you know, former WWE name, former WWE champion and, you know, wrestling on big cards in Japan with both the NWA title and the NWA tag team titles, you know, and stuff like that. And he... You know, he wrestled as much as you could in some of those promotions and stuff like that. And so the only thing that's different is the circumstances. I don't really think the time has changed enough. Uh, So I was looking at, oh, who was it? James H. Jackson Jr. Corgan commented on what WWE and AEW are spending in the mainstream attention they receive versus what the NWA spends and receives and says the NWA is ahead of the curve, not behind it. Well, he's delusional because saying, oh, well, I spend a tenth of what they spend, but, you know, have – you know, a quarter of their their viewership. So what? We we <laughs> talked about we talked about this a few weeks ago when uh, Vince was ousted and Triple H was put in place, and we the valuation of the WWE is anywhere from five billion dollars to eight billion dollars. What would you put on the price tag for the NWA? What would you pay for the NWA? And I'm telling you, not a single person would bid anything more than a, you know, no one would no one would bid a billion dollars on the NWA. And I don't know if people would bid a million dollars on the NWA. How much money is Billy Corgan making off the brand? You know, the live events, look, they're drawing 100 to 200 people to TV tapings. It's half the time they're giving away tickets to these events. How much money could he be making? There's, there's no way that what they're doing is even on par. Like, look, and I'm going to say this, and it's not going to be a popular opinion. I think David Marquez probably makes more producing television for the United Wrestling Network than the money that's made by Prime or by uh, by NWA Power for the NWA. 
Dave Marquez is on TV channels all across the United States. They have sponsorship by CarShield, right? You know, I, yes, I, I know uh, CarShield briefly sponsored NWA programming. I know that uh, last year they had uh, Bush sponsoring the pay-per-view. But, like, where's that sponsorship now? And 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 then James points out, like, the whole interview was him being delusional, in my opinion. I, like, look, we all want the NWA to succeed, but if your lofty goals are to compete with the NWA and to compete with AEW, then you need to step aside and let someone who knows what they're doing do it. Yeah, I mean, because really, and the problem is he books too much like them. And impact and all those things. And this, it, I remember Dave Logano one time back when he was still with the NWA and he was talking about how little they had actually spent, you know, promoting, you know, uh, so far. And I'm always one of the opinion of, if you have to tell me how you're doing so well for how little you spent, then what you're telling me is that you're not spending enough. Yeah. Because, I mean, you know, Jay, you're a businessman, stuff like that. And so, you know, if you were sitting there going, well, okay, I'm, you know, I may not be up with my competitors, you know, making 500 million a year, but I don't spend as much as them. Well, is that the food on your table that you don't spend as much as them? I don't care what my competitors spend their money on and I don't care how much money they're making. I, the bottom line is what am I making? And I, am I able to provide for my family? Am I ever able to pay my taxes? Am I able to pay my employees? Am I able to pay, uh, you know, a fair wage to my employees? Am I able to put food on the table? And if the answer is yes to all that, then I'm good. But I'm also not out here trying to say that I'm my company is a top tier level company. We go by the motto that we're a mom and pop shop and that's how it's going to be. And that's how it always has been. I don't expect to be a multi-billionaire, you know, when I'm, when I'm ready to retire. Uh, And I don't expect my company to be at that level either, but I know this and I treat it as such. So anyways, real quick, I actually found out something. People don't know this, but J.K.L. spends most of the budget for his company on his writers for the dad jokes of the week. That's where most of the budget goes. They, I mean, that's money well spent. A thousand followers on Clapper. You know what that gets you? The clap? You shake your hand and a thousand Clappers on... <laughs> a thousand followers on Clapper. Yeah. Uh, okay. So let's talk about the 74. Uh, oh, this is God, the pay-per-view. Why? What's that? <laughs> Oh God! Why? Look, I actually like I I like a lot of the matches for the pay per view. Um, it's not enough for me to go to St. Louis, but I if I didn't already have uh, the premium subscription for the NWA, this I would I would order this pay per view. Um, look, there's some matches that I think are r- ridiculous and not worth watching, but like some like look, I'm not excited about Country Gentleman versus Gold Rush on night number one. I could care less, but that's also just a preliminary match. So, and I, I also, as much as I love my boy, Jeremiah Plunkett, you know, this is a JP positive show. Um, I don't need to see Danny deals in the ring at all. I don't, this match is something that I have no desire to watch. 
but I kind of like this match. But, I mean, am I alone here? You're always alone. But as far as liking the match, yeah, I mean, that's one of the more interesting ones that they've they've talked about, that they've booked. Uh, Our buddy Matt Underwood, who just jumped on, said Flip Gordon should be the face of the junior heavyweight division. There might be something to that. Um, but if, if if you want to make him the face of your junior heavyweight division, he shouldn't be wrestling against your former world's heavyweight champion. And uh, Matt Un- Matthew Underwood also agrees that Pope versus Mac will be fun. All right, so let's give our predictions, DK. Jaden, I hope you can jump in too. Um, first, let's we'll start off with the uh, preliminary match, and that is uh, the uh, the gold the country gentleman versus Gold Rush. And that's AJ Kazana with his pops, Joe, and Anthony Andrews taking on uh, Marche Rocket and Jordan Clearwater with uh, Austin Idol in their corner. Any predictions on this one, Jaden? I predict Austin Idol is going to be really obnoxious and annoying, and his voice will get on my nerves, and they'll probably have Jordan Clearwater do the job because of politics okay dk i'm gonna disagree they've actually put clearwater better recently so i'm gonna go with the idea that lupez's comment got me come to st louis hell it's barely enough to keep me to stay in st louis well, if you leave St. Louis, what will Luthez do? He can come to Glassboro, New Jersey on that night and come see James and John Russell Gladiators. Um, Cheap plug. You'd see better wrestling. Points, Dave Scooby also points out the tag team matches night one are setting up the rivalries for the U.S. Tag Team Battle Royal on night two. Yes, I, I agree with you on that one, Scoop. All right, all right uh, DK, go ahead. Gold I'm rush. sorry. Your prediction. Gold Rush. I, I agree. I think it's going to be Gold Rush, but I think Joe Kazana is going to punch Austin Idol. I think you could you could bank on it. Uh, Joe Kazana will get the local pop because uh, they need to do something like that. Uh, Dave, or excuse me, uh, Tim from NWA Gold says Luthez is the real national treasure. <laughs> Agreed. All right, let's get to some more matches before DK falls asleep here. I'm kidding. I got tired. All right, we got Miserably Faithful, which is the the trios of Sal, your pal, Gags the Gimp, and Judeus against Jeremiah Plunkett, Alex Taylor, and uh, Danny Deals. Any predictions on this one, Mr. DKM? Uh, I'm going to say the Miserably Faithful because Danny Deals. Jaden? I really don't know any of the marks, but I guess that's Gags the Gimp. <laughs> yeah. Um, can I predict the ceiling to collapse and they have to cancel both night and one and night two? And then everyone has to fly to New Jersey. Yes, in Glassboro, New Jersey, on the same night to see James and John Wrestling Gladiators. Cheap plug. Uh, we get Pope versus Rodney Mack. Uh, Jaden, I know, I know you're a fan of both these guys. What do you think about this one? Um. I like it. I don't like want to see either one lose, so that's kind of, I guess, a good thing. Uh, I really hope, I really hope for the Pope, um, only because I want to see him fight for that championship. 
which probably means as much I probably wouldn't be said about probably means Rodney Mac's gonna win. So you're pulling for Mac? DK, who do you No, got? I'm pulling for the Pope, but I bet you Mac wins. Gotcha. DK, who you got? Uh, I think I think Pope and I'm gonna say that somehow Aaron Stevens factors into the end. I am also going to put my money on the Pope just because I think, uh, uh, you know, similarly how we were talking about Adonis right now, he is kind of in a, in a kind of just there. I feel the same way about Rodney Mack. He's just kind of there. So a few more losses and then they could, you know, change it up and give him a better push than what he's receiving where the Pope, if he loses this match, I mean, at this point, that's like the third match in a row he's lost. Uh, I don't really know what you can do with him at that point. It feels like he won't have much value left. Uh, Matt Cardona versus a mystery opponent, someone that he's going to pick for his in-ring return. DK, who do you predict he will use for his opponent on night number one? Brian Myers. All right. Jaden, do you have a prediction on who will be his opponent? Oh uh, yeah, that the guy in the shadow. <laughs> I know uh, there's a rumor going around that's and I hope it's not true. I saw it on the message board that he's gonna wrestle against Billy Corgan. But um I hope that's not true. Uh if if we're gonna be semi serious, uh Tim Storm would be nice. I wouldn't mind seeing that match. But how about I don't know, probably wrestled up with Sky. I don't know. Oh, Sky. Uh, I'm actually going to go out on a limb and say he's going to challenge Nick Aldis. Um, because, again, a victory for beating a former champion will help, you know, help kind of make him look strong. And Aldis is going to have a lot to say on night number one uh, before before he wrestles on night two. Um, plus, he'll be somebody there available to wrestle. So, um, not to me, I don't think that's a bad pick. Uh, next up, we have Mims versus e- EC3. Uh, this one, I'm kind of torn on, and I have two different conflicting ideas. DK, what do you think about this match? I think EC3 wins. So I think it's a bad matchup for reasons I said last time. Jaden, your choice. I say since EC3 is debuting and people that debut usually lose their debut match, I'm going to pick Mims. I I think that this match, Mims has been out. Mims got injured at the last pay-per-view, always uh, ready when he challenged uh, uh, Tyrus for the TV title. We haven't seen him since. Um this would be a great victory for him if you're trying to establish him as a, another star for the NWA. However, I don't know what the NWA's plan is, so I see EC3 getting the victory just because if if he's somebody that they plan to use long-term, this would be a great way to bring him in, give him a quick victory, and then they can put him into a storyline uh, maybe challenging the winner of the 10 pounds of gold later. Uh, oh, breaking the- news from 40 minutes ago. Oh, what's up? NWA President William Patrick Corgan has just informed us that the U.S. Tag Team Championship will now feature 12 teams total. 
Who are the two new wildcard teams? Stay tuned because more information comes in. So, you know, bulky, sure. Gladiators, I, I think they should do the gladiators. <laughs> Um, okay, so let's get back to it. Uh, the women's, uh, the Burke Invitational, I'll just list the uh, talents who are involved, and then you guys can tell me who you think is going to win it. Um, in no particular order, we have uh, one of my favorites, Taryn Terrell, uh, Natalia Markova, Genocide, Angelina Love, Max the Impaler, Maddie, Misa Kate, Kylan King, Tootie Lynn Ramsey, and a three-generation wrestler, Samantha Starr. Jaden, I'll go to you first. Uh, it's kind of a big lineup. Who do you think uh, challenges for the Burke uh, night two? It's not a horrible lineup, too. Um, that's, that's really yeah. solid. Yeah. Uh, oof. I will go with Maxine Paler. DK, who do you have walking away winning the Burke Invitational? Uh, I really have no clue who they would book, so I'm just going to go with who I want, which is Markova. I think uh, I, I'm in agreement with... Uh, with Jaden, I think that Maxine and Paler gives you a matchup that uh, we haven't seen in the NWA yet. Uh, obviously, Maxine and Paler uh, has size and strength, and her, excuse me, they in the ring with uh, Camille would be a different matchup. If it's Camille or Taya, it's something we haven't seen yet before. But if we are assuming that Camille wins this, uh, the match on night one, her and Maxine Paler would be a very styles uh, style clash, a very much a contrast in the style of wrestling. So I, I feel like uh, I feel like that's going to be uh, a good choice. Uh, James H. Jackson says, uh, "Oop, that's the wrong one." He says that Misa Kate is his pick. That would be a dark horse candidate, sir. And uh, I'd be surprised if she won, but uh, I wouldn't be shocked. I wouldn't be surprised if they tried to to swerve us. Remember last year with all the great competitors that were in there, uh, Chelsea green ended up winning it. Um, and they're saying that Kylan King is trying to go in as number one. So who knows? Uh, real quick. Whenever you guys say Misa Kate, I think she's being introduced by George R. Binks. <laughs> Misa Kate. Misa. <laughs> uh, next up, we have the world junior heavyweight championship match homicide. Uh, defends his junior heavyweight title against Carrie Morton, son of uh, Ricky Morton. This, the, they call him the future legend, which I think is just a terrible name. Uh, DKM, thoughts on this one? Not a be homicide. Yaden? Yaden, what am I, Scandinavian all of a sudden? Hiki <laughs> Derry. Um... I don't know why Kerry Morton gets so much hate. He isn't horrible. He's pretty decent. But I still kind of hope Homicide wins. Uh, James says that he thinks that the future legend is taking this one. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm rooting for Homicide. Um, I'm not against Kerry Morton 
holding that title at some point in his career. I think now is too early. And then Luthez says he's predicting Markova all weekend, which I think he means that Markova wins the, the cup and wins the title. That would be interesting. Well, um, I'm, I'm kind of like you when it comes to Kerry Morton. I, I just feel in, I feel in some ways the junior title needs to be protected. Yeah. And I feel that the best way to protect it for now is to keep it off young guys. Because my fear is that it's going to become the young guy title as opposed to a top junior heavyweight, top, you know, you know, where you get your top junior heavyweights. I'd much rather see somebody like, you know, we talked about Rectitis, uh, Caprice Coleman, you know, people who've been around who've done some stuff. I'd much rather see them end up with the belt. I would, I don't know what they're going to do with the TV title after this pay per view. But I wish that was where the young men went was for the TV title, right? And that's really where it's there, they should be. Yeah, I mean, I think, I think that makes sense because it's a, it's a hot shot, right? Like if you win seven matches, you win the title. You win seven matches, you're, you're fast pass to the world title. But if you have guys like uh, again a younger crowd, Jordan Clearwater, um, you know, to a lesser extent, Kerry Morton or PJ you know, these young guys each and every week battling for that title. And, you know, they don't have to win. They they don't have to keep that title for a year for it to be important. They have to win seven matches and get a shot at the world title. And if they fail to win seven matches, the next guy gets to do it. And you would certainly have a lot more um, interesting talent uh, using the younger guys. And then building the national titles, I don't want to say older guys, but the more established stars. You know, if EC3 comes in, he should be challenging Jack Stain because a victory over Jack Stain means a victory uh, one step closer to the 10 pounds of gold. <coughs> Excuse me. Matthew Underwood says that Suki Tice is coming back to get the TV title. <laughs> I don't think so, brother. Um, Luthez says that uh, Markova will not beat Camille. Dodie says that he picks Caprice Coleman or Luke Hawk for the next TV champion. I'm I'm down with both of those. And James says the TV title should be like a, a uh, workhorse, exciting match uh, title. And I I like, like when Pope had it. Yeah, when Pope you yeah when Pope had it yeah yeah when Pope had it yeah yeah she yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, all right. What's um, then we get the tables match. Bully Ray versus Mike Knox. Can we all agree Bully Ray is just going to win this one? Can we all agree not to talk about it? Can we all agree that maybe the table will, will puncture an artery? Oh, come on. Come on. Come on. Forget about it. What are what? we all of a sudden? We're ever stereotyping a movie all of a sudden? Yeah. Uh, we got the World Tag Team titles on the line, the Commonwealth Connection versus La Rebellion. I have um, to say, because of the way this picture is, especially with uh, most of Doug Williams' title covered up, it almost looks like it's supposed to be a trio's title. It does. I agree with you. <laughs> um, any predictions on this one, Jaden? Who do you see walking away as your tag team champions? La Rebellion. New champs. DK? La Rebellion. Oh, we're in unison, folks. La Rebellion should uh, should be your next tag team champions. And we don't just think it. Matthew Underwood thinks it as well. Damien, say, 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 so I'll have something to do with it. 
And I'm all right with that. You know, honestly, okay, so we talk about finances and pro wrestling. <clears throat> and I'm not trying to say anything negative about Doug Williams, but he's not a cheap ticket. You know, if you're flying from the UK to St. Louis, that's not that's not cheap. And Harry Smith, we know with his with his legacy, with what he's done in the business, he is also not cheap. And I'm not saying that you book your titles based on affordability, but I would imagine that booking La Rebellion is a lot more cost effective than booking a guy who uh, lives in the United Kingdom and another guy who uh, is, is probably really expensive to use. So just based on that, I think that's how we get uh, La Rebellion back as champions. Matt Underwood says Harry they come across better as a tag team. Say that again. I also think they come across better as a tag team. I agree. I and look, Mecca Wolf is like Mecca Wolf and Bastia. They put in the work, man, and and I know that they didn't get a a very. Um, they didn't take the tag titles everywhere. Now I know they brought them to the Lucha Libre promotions in Mexico. Uh, they were at the Crash with the titles, but they never defended them there. Um, they were at a lot of independent promotions with those with those uh, NWA tag titles, but they only really defended them a couple times outside of the NWA. One of those was at a AAA show, <clears throat> and if that's something that uh, down the road could happen again, I think it would be great for uh, La Rebellion and the NWA if those tag titles appeared somewhere else like AAA or something along those lines. Uh, Dodie says La Rebellion is the real tag team champions. No one cares if the Commonwealth connection broke. And I'll add, I'd rather see Harry Smith going solo and be the next world champion. Uh, I like Harry Smith a lot too. I think he would be a good uh, choice for champion. Um, next up we have, the national titles on the line with Jack Stane, with Chris Silvio, who we've never seen Chris Silvio actually manage Jack Stane, just backstage promos. And we have Scion with Austin Idol. Uh, I'm going to go with you on this one, DK. Who do you think walks away as champion? You know, I find this one to be a toss-up. This is probably one of the few where i actually clueless what they're going to do. So, with that being said, I'm going to go with Dane because I'd rather he win. Mr. Uh, Mr. Jaden. Uh, I'm just going to go Dane because I want him to win, so I'm trying to will that into the universe. Well, if the three of us are willing it, hopefully it'll happen um, because Jack Stane, to me, is one of the bright spots of the NWA. Uh, they're not using him nearly enough, and that's, that's problematic for me. Um, I think a spotlight on him would really do the NWA some good. Our pal James, though, he's being contrarian, and he says Scion. Um, so we'll have to wait and see on that one. Uh, and then uh, Scooby says he'd love to see Harry Smith versus Jack Zane for the national title. That would be a stellar match. And, and those two have crossed paths before because uh, if I remind you that uh, Harry Smith, while uh, in New Japan teaming with uh, Lance Hoyt, uh, did step in the same ring with uh, uh, Jack Stane and Rob Conway when they were the NWA Tag Team Champions. And I think they actually beat Jax and uh, and Rob for those title belts. In fact, I'm sure of it. And then uh, Doty says... Well, kind of. 
Scion says, uh, Doty says, Scion leaves a lot to be desired. I want to, I want to care for him, but Billy never really made him uh, interesting. Should he be unmasked? Uh, no, I think once you unmask Scion, you might as well just throw him in the gutter um, because he becomes infinitely less uh, interesting without the mask. And I know he's not interesting now. Uh, Wait a minute, he's good. boring. He's boring now. Without the mask, what does he become? The black hole of charisma? Yes. If they wanted Ego Fantastico, they should have just brought him in. Basically. Uh, look, if they want to... You, I would not unmask him and leave him sign on. I would send him away and then bring him back. <laughs> mask, you know, as, as a different character. I agree. I'm laughing. I would also wear a mask if Austin Idol was my dad. That's what I was laughing at. You guys are on it tonight. The chat is the chat is lit. You guys are being hilarious. Um, and then, of course, the main event. For night number one, probably the most interesting match all weekend, Ty Valkyrie, the belt collector, versus the one-time champion, the Brick House, versus La Vera Loca, La Vera Loca. Burke on the line. Camille versus Valkyrie. Jane, who you got? I got Camille. I thought about it, and I don't think... Valkyrie is long for the NWA right now. Uh, so I say Camille. And by the way, uh, chat, don't get two letters. You're going to end up positive. All right. Uh, DK. I want it to be Valkyrie, but I think it's going to be Camille. And I think probably it should be Camille. I'm going to go counter you guys both, and I'm going to say, and I love Camille. Don't get me wrong. I think it's a move. It's a power move. You put the belt on Taya. That's Billy Corgan saying something to the roster. Um, I think Taya has the the credibility, the value, the name. Um, I don't know if that's a good idea, but I think that's where they're, what they're going to do. I wouldn't. Cry over it. Matthew Underwood agrees with me. James says that Camille loses at the 75th show. Two-year champion. That would be pretty impressive if she did. And Doty says that that is a main event. I agree. Like that's a that is a draw for me. That is seriously, they should have put a more of a spotlight on that match. They should be doing more press with Taya. I, I know Taya's out there doing interviews. They should have done a press conference in St. Louis at the chase with Taya sitting there. Uh, in her wear loca gear and and Camille there with Tom and the Burke in hands. I, I mean, I think that would have been awesome. I think that would have been an awesome spectacle, but I think it's going to be an awesome match. Uh, and I think that, again, as I said this last time, but I think that's the definition of a main event. What this is, what's going to draw people. If, if this was a standalone card, Yeah. I'm paying to see that match. I don't care about the rest of the card that's underneath it. I'm paying to see that one. Well, I mean, it, it, if you think about it, right? Um, I try not to think. XPW is already putting stock into that. They've had the two have multiple encounters in their promotion. And uh, 
I'm not saying that what XPW books is in any way indicative of what, what the NWA is going to book, but uh, they feel like it's a draw for them. So it kind of makes sense. And then um, Dave Scooby says, uh, have the winner of the Burke Invitational interfere in the match so you get a no contest. That No. Mm. No. Boo. <laughs> don't, don't boo. Don't boo Scooby. I could on it tonight. I could need a Scooby snack for that. He doesn't need a Scooby snack for that idea, that's for sure. I wouldn't go for a no contest. If the person interfered for the benefit of a winner, I could sort of deal with that, but not a not a no contest. Somebody needs to win. And then uh, Matthew Underwood says, if Ty wins, then that means you should bring in Johnny Power. Please, no. Is he under contract with AEW anyway? No. I thought he was. Um, No, that was a one-time thing. But then, you know, like, again, these these kind of things, like, now it's starting to feel like they're just pulling anybody that's not signed to come to the NWA. We need viewership, so just just come. Um, Exactly what they're doing and not even doing it well. (laughs) <laughs> okay, so uh, then the next night, number two, I'm just putting this match first because it's probably the one I care the least amount about, but Mercurio versus Magic Jake Dumas. I'm a big CJ fan. I think Jake Dumas is going to be something at some point. I'm not really into Mercurio. I didn't like him as Brian Idol. I don't like him now. I'm going to say Jake Dumas. DK, who do you think wins this one? I mean, just as wrestlers in NWA, I probably prefer Jake than I do. Uh, Mercurio? Yeah, Mercury. Dumbass of Mercury. And to counter something that Jaden said, when when uh, Jim Cornette gives them nicknames, it's because he hates them. When I give them nicknames, it's because I'm pointing out the NWA's done nothing to make me care about them. <laughs> so Mercury, it is. Mercury. All right. So, who, but who do you have in the match? Uh, dumbass. <laughs> dumbass. Uh, Jaden, dumbass or Mercury? I kind of hope lung cancer wins. Personally, um, <laughs> uh, can we go to the next match? Yes. <laughs> it's not much better. Latimer versus Judas. I could. I wouldn't say it's much better, but at least it's better. Um, I go with Thom. I think Thom will win. Uh, DK. <laughs> Damn, well, better be Latimer. You know they've had him on such a losing streak as of late. I wouldn't be shocked if he lost, but I'm I'm hoping it's Latimer. I hope. This is the night that starts the roll for him going towards the ten pounds of gold. You know, you know that's the scary thing is that no bad decision is unreasonable, right? <laughs> and then I, I think Muthez is a little bit behind us, but he says interfere and cost Camille. Ty wins for one night, and Camille inadvertently helps Markova become champ while looking for revenge on night two, kicking off a, a long, a year long feud. Please no, I don't need I don't need like back to back titled changes. I think 
if you're going to put the title on Taya, you got to give her time with it to make it meaningful. If you just put it on her for one night, I don't think that that's meaningful, and I don't think you're going to get value out of it. The only reason they would do that, well, there's many reasons why they probably would do it, but the only logical reason they would do that is if Taya is, Taya is leaving and going to bigger pastures, and they just want the title to be associated with her. I mean, I guess, but I, I still don't like it. Um, Dodie says, and why do they choose to keep CJ as a valet than an active wrestler? That remains to be seen. She might be hurt. Like, we don't know, like, what really is going on. Um, I mean, I don't hate her as a valet, but she can wrestle. She's actually pretty good, and she's better than some of the talent that they've been introducing to us. So I, I'd much rather see her, you know, as part of the Invitational than hanging out with Jake Dumas, but what, whatever. <laughs> Luther, Luther says convoluted Corgan gonna convolute I mean that's that's a true statement right there uh, Dodie points out Tom needs the win James points out Tom loses again and Camille really starts laying into him for losing I mean it's kind of uh, they've already kind of hinted at that a couple of times yeah that's power. something we don't need either that's, a, that's something they need to draw Maybe Billy Corgan's getting tired of breaking up tag teams, so now he's trying to break up marriages. <laughs> well, and that's my thing. They just got married in real life. You know they're a couple in real life. Uh, unless they're getting divorced in real life, then don't... You know, we don't need this bullshit. I agree. Just, you know, Vladimir has talent. You've used him. You put the tag title on him for 28 days. You know, give him the damn victory. He's really one of the They're not going to do anything for Jadias to win. Well, and they don't have a plan for him either. You know what I mean? Again, they've got all these belts, but, like, they're tied up on the wrong people. Anyways, uh, that's another conversation. Uh, we get a... MLW National Openweight Championship match. We got Davey Richards taking on Thrillbilly Silas. Uh, I'm going to say this. I, 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 I'm confident that Davey Richards leaves as champion, but I feel like this could be a breakout moment for the Thrillbilly, and if he has a decent outing against Davey Richards, you might see a world open up of opportunity for him. Uh, do you guys have anything you want to add to that? I don't think the NWA has enough belts, so that's why they're borrowing one from MLW. <laughs> Look, I don't. We know Richards is going to win. That's okay. We don't have to talk about that unless they do something goofy like a DQ or whatever. But uh, you know, so so that's the question. Isn't who's going to win? The question is how's Billy going to look in the match? And so hopefully he looks good in the match. And they don't do something stupid with, uh, you know, him and probably Mar going under the ring or something like that. You know, let's no, just, no kissing mid match. Yeah, let's just come on, put on a good match. Next up, we have Colby Carino taking on Caprice Coleman. Uh, I think we're all pretty excited about that match. Colby Carino definitely grown on me as a competitor. Still don't think he's the man his dad was, but he certainly has a lot to offer the NWA. Caprice Coleman, ah, man, I, I could watch him wrestle all day. I think this is going to be a fun match. Uh, who do you have going over, DK? 
I think it's going to be a good match because of Caprice. He's kind of like Ric Flair. You know, he can have a good match with a broom. And Colby's got enough talent to, I think. Uh, Hang with him? Yeah. And so, I don't know. It's because they don't do things that make sense. And I don't know what their plans for Coleman are. If their plan is to put Coleman in into a match with Homicide, then Coleman should go over. If they're, if that's not their plan and Coleman's not going to be sticking around, then Karina needs to go over. Do you, do you think the fixers get involved in any way? God, I hope not. <laughs> or at least if they do, not till after the match. You know, give us a good match. Which is normally what they're good at on their pay-per-views. They're normally good at giving us a good match. And so, you know, let's do that. Let's have a good match. Let's let's enjoy some wrestling. And, uh, you know, go. Uh, uh, someone says Colby should win the junior title before Morton does. I won't disagree with that statement, but I'm not ready for him to win it either. Uh, hit hit bingo is our pal the great Kisa from titlehistories.com so uh, I agree with you on that one um, more more comments here real quick uh, Dave Scooby says they're glad they're using Richards and some of his local talent from St. Louis uh, Luthes says Richards is basically there because he is local uh, Doty says hmm. he's looking forward to this match the most Team Ambition will take over the NWA and Doty also points out that Kobe needs to build more. I can see him as the one who will dethrone Homicide. And uh, he says comments about Kobe should win the title before Morton. Uh, all, I agree with pretty much everything that was just said right there. Um, I just thought of something. Let's go. Davey Richards' ex-wife is uh, wrestling on this card, too. Um, used to be married to Angelina Love. Technically, she's on night one. And he comes on night two, so they might not even have to see each other. Oh, good, because Billy Corgan will probably book something out of that, make him an actual couple again. (laughs) He's married now, but anyways, uh, so we also will have the crowning of the United States Tag Team Champions. Just real quick, I'll go through the teams. I have nine of them announced. I think there's a total of, uh, we just heard a total of 12. I'm missing one. I think it might be the Southern Gentleman. But uh, anyways, we've got the Spectaculars. We've got Team Ambition, which is Camaro Jackson and Mike Outlaw. We got Hawks Ari, PJ, and Luke Hawks. We got the Fixers, my odds-on favorite, Wrecking Ball Ligurski, Jay Bradley. We've got Graves and Deontay, Rough and Ready, they teamed actually once before in the NWA, and that's the only time they've ever teamed together. You've got Jordan Clearwater and Marche Rocket. They're calling them Gold Rush. I feel like they should have put Rush Freeman in this tag team to make it Gold Rush. You got Sal and Gags, uh, the Miserably Faithful. You got uh, the now Hale Collins and Vic Delicious. I think I'm saying that right. You've got... Alex Taylor and Jeremiah Plunkett of the Ill Begotten. And that's who I have as far as tag teams go. Uh, DKM, who do you think becomes the new United States tag team champions? 
I'd be okay if one or two teams won it. Let's hear it. I'd be okay with the Fixers, and I'd be okay with Hawks RE. I think I have one more team that I'd throw in there, but uh, I could I could live with Gold Rush. Okay, but Jaden, who's your uh, who's your choice? The Heat Seekers. <laughs> they might be a part of it. We don't know. They might be one of the other uh, two of the twelve. That's who I'd pick, though the Heat Seekers. All right, um, I would also be okay if the Heat Seekers were involved. Uh, but uh, the other team that's involved that I wouldn't mind seeing win gold would be Alex Taylor and Jeremiah Plunkett. Not because I love Alex Taylor, but because I love Jeremiah Plunkett, and it would be nice to see him win a championship under the Billy Corgan era of the NWA. Uh, so I'm okay with that. But I honestly oh, yeah. think I'd be okay with that just because of Plunkett. I feel like it's the fixers. Uh, I, I feel like they've made these titles for the fixers because they're over with the crowd. They just, they're so goddamn over well, and they're, they're fun to watch. Well, Billy will probably WCW and Medusa them. Maybe. That, that was, that's always one of my favorite stories. How they swerved themselves into stupidity. <laughs> Um, some more comments that I'm going to go to here. Luthez says that she used to wax cracks in my neighborhood. They just started causing trouble in my neighborhood. And then Dodie says the tag team battle royal will be sucks, but the teams are interesting. Looking forward to Mike Outlaw and Camaro Jackson debut in the NWA. Yeah, I mean, Team Ambition, I hear a lot of good things about them. I don't really know much about them. Uh, so I'll be interested to see that. Willie if there's Bowen, a Team Ambition, does that mean there's a singles ambition? Uh, yes. Well, okay. So I didn't put two and two together until recently, but do you remember that original team ambition, which was, uh, Bobby fish, uh, Davey Richards and, and Kyle O'Reilly, I think. Yeah. And, um, there was a fourth member too. It was, uh, oh crap. He was a former NWA junior heavyweight champion. Uh, Tony Cozina. Yeah. Yeah. No, you know what? It wasn't Bobby fish. It was Tony Cozina. And they feuded with Chase Owens and Kevin Douglas. And it was like uh, they were trying to get Kylo O'Reilly, I guess, a junior heavyweight run. And so, like, uh, team amb- that was the team ambition from, well, I guess, 2012. Uh, do you think they, do you think they tra- do Davey Richards trained this team ambition? Yes, absolutely. They're all, they, they have a, a whole, um, training facility in St. Louis. Those guys are, are part of the training squad there. And that's where also Tootie Lynn Ramsey came from. I didn't put two and two together till like much, much later, but yeah, Davey Richards, that's, those are his guys and gal. Well, good. Hopefully they'll lose. <laughs> uh, Willie Bowen says, uh, Angelina love that flat butt trailer part tramp. <laughs> I just love the way that sounds. Uh, James says, I'd love to see the New Japan Strong Openweight Tag Team Champions be in the match Aussie Open. I would not do that to the Aussie Open. They deserve better. Um, Doty says, can we wish Sal and Gags to be the first ones to be kicked out? That's more matters than who will win the titles. <laughs> and uh, Willie, my boys, with me on the Fixers, we see the Fixers winning those tag titles. Um, if they do, then I think it's fixed. <laughs> well, you damn I right. I that was, was broken. And then uh, Doty says, I, uh, I don't care who wins the titles. Gags and Sal should be miserably kicked out from existence. That's what matters. Doty's taking a hard stance on that miserably faithful tonight. 
Man, I don't no. think he likes them. I, I get that vibe for some reason. Jody is to miserably, miserably faithful as Willie is to Tyrus. That's for sure. Then we got uh, your former world's heavyweight champion. Uh, this, I believe, is the third time these two have squared off in an NWA ring. Or no, excuse me, not in an NWA ring, but in a third time they faced each other. Nick Aldis, Flip Gordon. Um, I mean, it's got to be Nick, right? It's Billy Corgan booking. <laughs> Any any bold predictions? I think it's going to be Nick Aldis. If this is still a storyline, <laughs> if it's still a storyline, then I'm going with Nick Aldis. If it's not still a storyline, then it could be Flip. Some of it, I think, will depend on are we using Flip Gordon or not. And, you know, here's the hard part. I don't think the NWA knows anything past the TV tapings. Yeah. And so, I mean, I think the one reason that Hex and... Well, we'll talk about it later. Uh, well, we'll talk about it now. Um, Jaden, wait, do you have any prediction on uh, Aldis Flip? I'm going Aldis in and picking uh, Nick Aldis. All right. And next up, we have Ella Envy and Kenzie Page taking on uh, Allison Kay and Marty Bell in a King's Highway street fight for the NWA World Tag Team titles. I mean, if you watched Power, you just saw the Hex beat the crap out of Pretty Empowered. Uh, I don't think it's, uh, I think this isn't even up for debate. I think uh, the Hex regained the titles. I'm going to say that Hex regained the titles, and I think the reason that this is like the only thing that's really been built to is that this was probably the agreement that was made when the Hex agreed to drop the titles. Yeah. I think it was probably like, okay, we'll drop them for, you know, a couple of pay-per-view cycles or a pay-per-view cycle, or I don't remember when they first lost them, but we're getting them back. And I think, so, yeah, I think I think the reason this had build is because this is the one thing that they knew was going to happen because it was probably, you know, we'll do the favor, but they have to return it. Jaden? Uh, I picked the Hex to win the Hershey Highway match. I got her. I want chocolate now. And I'm not going to lie, I think LN is kind of cute. All right. World title match. Trevor Murdoch, Tyrus, 10 pounds of coal. I can't believe I'm saying this, but I'm I'm actually interested to see what this match is going to be like. Uh, On Busted Open Radio, uh, they pointed out that Tyrus has been hitting the gym all day, every day. It looks like a million bucks. And Aldis replied with, you know, you can hit the gym, but it's all about the reps. How many reps does uh, Tyrus have been taking? We we haven't seen him very active in competing ever since becoming the TV champion. It's been a very light schedule, um, so he doesn't have a lot of reps. Now, I'm I, what I'm really hoping for is a good match, but I know that's hoping for a lot. I think Trevor Murdoch is going to walk away with the 10 pounds of gold, but I know there's going to be some chicanery involved with it. Uh, DK, what are your thoughts? Well, 
kind of like some earlier things, I think this is this is Murdoch better win. But you do kind of wonder just what all's going to come of this. Uh, what's going to happen? Does Tim Storm get involved since he's been gifted his the title shot? Does uh, the Cardona family get involved because they were made promises? Uh, you know, what's what storyline are they going to try and bring out of this? God, can it be title versus title, please? So that Murdoch can win both titles and vacate the TV one? He doesn't have to. There has never been a thing with the TV and the world title that the world champion couldn't hold the TV title. So we no, could have both. We, we, want, we want the TV title to go somewhere else. I mean, probably not because then they'd have to do two tournaments for two TV titles, but that's not out of Billy's wheelhouse, though. Come on. Let's be honest. No, it's not. But, well, I'm sure he'll fill one with a, you know, 23-person double elimination under the bottom rope battle royal. But uh, So we, we have a lot of predictions, and I, I will jump onto some of these real quick. Uh, Hisa thinks that it's going to have some sort of screw job between the two. Um, Scooby says Tyrus doesn't need to add 10 pounds. He's big enough. Uh, Doty says the main event's going to suck, but at least it's a big man versus big man. Uh, Matthew Underwood's predicting that Adam sure will be interfering because we do have some of those guys from the control your narrative. Uh, Willie says Tyrus has been in every restaurant. That's his private workouts. <laughs> He's putting the St. Louis rib factory out of, out of business. Um, James H. Jackson says Cardona comes out after the match and says the winner is his opponent and the match starts now. We do know that he was guaranteed a rematch uh, by Billy. Remember, everyone in the uh, Cardona family got an opportunity to get a, a shot at a title. And we know that he has a rematch written into his contract as former world champion as part of relinquishing the belt. That could probably happen. We also know that Tim Storm, uh, because the Velvet Sky has that uh, – championship series cha uh, challenge. So there's a lot of things that could go on here. Um, Doty says, but what matters most, uh, you better keep all this and uh, Cardona. Sorry, Doty. Um, whatever happens to the 10 pounds of gold should defend in a one-on-one -on -one match, especially in the holy ground of the chase. Uh, you basically yeah, saying you hope that they keep everybody away. Yeah. And I agree. I hope they do. I, I, like, I would like to see a clean match, clean, good match, as good as it can be with the two people involved. We know Trevor Murdoch can put on a good match. Um, if Tyrus can put on – Tyrus looked pretty decent when he wrestled Mims. It was a short match. It was not a great match, but he looked decent, and he, he, he seemed fired up for it. I don't know what could get you more fired up than wrestling your cousin for the world's heavyweight title. Have we ever seen a cousin challenge a cousin for the World's Heavyweight Championship? I have no idea. I, did Arn Anderson ever challenge Ric Flair for the world title? I know they wrestled, but I don't think he ever challenged him for it. Yeah, I don't think it was a challenge. I... And, uh, and James H. Jackson with a bold prediction, I feel that neither Tyrus or Murdoch will walk out as champion. 
you know, and again, this is one of those things where it's kind of sad, but that's not an unreasonable thing. That's not an unreasonable thing to think. Right. I, and, and, and with I, the... I, I like to think that because the world title ended up becoming a little bit unstable, that they will give Murdoch his actual chance to carry the belt for a while, this version of Murdoch, which is what we wanted for the first title reign. And so I think it would be a mistake to hot shot it back on to Cardona. I think that needs to kind of have a little more time to build and breathe and stuff like that. They need more people involved in the world title thing. And right now, Trevor's feeding the filling that tweener champion pretty well. And so they got someone if they can use them right, but they, you know, we already know their booking sucks, but if they can use them right, if Trevor can carry tires to a good match, he's a real world champion. Well, you can find <laughs> there. Tyrus gets winded walking up the steps into the ring. <laughs> That's not even a joke. That's a sad thing. It's not a joke. Jaden, did you say who you thought was going to win the match? Uh, definitely not the fans. Um, <laughs> I can say, though, there is there is a bar called the gym. So maybe that's the gym he's been hitting. But um, uh, if... if if uh, Murdoch doesn't win, I'm too lazy to riot, so I'll just complain annoyingly and loudly on the Alliance-Wrestling.com uh, website and message board and on this podcast. Fair enough. Fair enough. All right. Well, I mean, that's going to do it pretty much for tonight, uh, but please stay tuned for a announcement regarding Dangerous Adrenaline Wrestling Gladiators. Jaden, take it away, my friend. This Saturday night at the Max Fit Sports Center, located at 240 Delcy Drive South in beautiful downtown Rustic, Glassboro, New Jersey. I throw in more R's than power. You'll see Dangerous Adrenaline Wrestling Gladiators, event known as the Dog Days of Summer. Main event is going to be the Alpha Dog Adam Chandler trying to prove he's the big dog in Dangerous Adrenaline Wrestling Gladiators as he tries to wrest the Dangerous Adrenaline Wrestling Gladiators championship against Busky Eric Martin. What is Busky? I don't have a clue. Still haven't figured it out. But either way, Eric's Busky, and he's also the champ, and that match is going to be really, 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 really good. You're also going to see an I Quit match between Ty Thomas taking on Nikos Rikos. This is the third time these guys have wrestled inside a dog ring, and it's going to be really, really interesting. Um, I can't wait to see it. Uh, there's a lot of bad blood between the two, and I know Ty Thomas has been taking his Redcon pre-workout, his Total War pre-workout, and his MRE protein to get ready for this match. It's going to be something I, you guys do not want to miss. The scheduled World Wrestling Grand Prix Heavyweight Championship match with... Um, Chris Steeler defending will not be defending against, unfortunately, 
against Bill Bain. Bill Bain came down with the COVID. I think he got it from DK or from Jade Cal. So there will be a surprise announced at that event to see who he'll be facing. You also see the uncrowned NWA United States Tag Team Champions with the real fixer, Vinny the Fixer, teaming up patch called the Old School Empire. They'll be defending the Dog Tag Team Championships in an open challenge. You'll see a whole lot of great professional wrestlers plus Daredevil Dave Dahl on this card. Make sure you don't you don't miss it. It's going to be well worth the money, a lot better than anything you're going to see in St. Louis probably. And the booking is going to be a lot better too. Also, real quick, I want to make sure a quick shout out to Iron Man Tommy Cairo, who I hear is in the hospital. Uh, get well, Iron Man Tommy Cairo. Yeah, indeed. And if you do speak to him, let him know that the Alliance uh, are rooting for him. Um, and and uh, yeah, man, uh, look, you have two shows you can go to this weekend, and two shows. No, you have week. one show and you have one event. <laughs> no, two shows, one event. Um, you know, maybe if the NWA put on events, they wouldn't be talking so badly about them. Maybe. So that's going to do it for us tonight, guys. Uh, again, you've been great. Thank you for hanging out with us. It's a lot of fun. It's a lot of uh, uh, always a lot of uh, great times with you guys. You guys really picked it up tonight, and it was hilarious. So I had a great time. I think these guys had some good times. And uh, we'll call out at night. We'll see you back on Tuesday for the pre-party. And uh, maybe we'll talk to uh, – maybe we'll talk to some of the winners and losers over the weekend or, or maybe not. I don't know, but until then we'll see you at the matches. Thanks for joining the stream. This has been a presentation of Alliance wrestling.com. We genuinely appreciate your support, Would you consider subscribing so you'll never miss a future episode. I'd also like to remind you, we do a live stream every Tuesday at 5 PM for NWA power. You can find us on social media at the Alliance blog. And until next time we are the Alliance.